This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> I want to. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. You are listening to the best wrestling podcast in the world. Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I, of course, am the king of banter, Joe Lanza. And uh, listen, making his presence felt this week, graciously uh, making his presence felt uh, for once, back from his latest vacation, is the captain, Rich Krejci. How are you, Rich? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm I'm, I'm outstanding. I had to review three enormous wrestling shows by myself last week, Mm -hmm. uh, which you have agreed to, um, in excruciating detail, go over every match from all three. Oh, yeah. Beginning with NXT UK Cardiff, uh, of course. We're going to start with want to know what you think. You can start (laughs) with Noam Dar versus Travis Banks. The floor is yours. Right. All right. So, um, actually, I've missed that match. Sorry. Fuck. I didn't watch that one. Yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll jump at. Uh, I watched. I watched the. I watched the last half uh, of NXT UK Cardiff. So that was that was kind of a weird day with uh, All Out happening, and we obviously had uh, some people over, people that were going to go to All Out or whatever. So we had you know some people over to watch stuff, and we're watching Royal Quest. And then we realized that we had like a two hour gap between the end of Royal Quest and the beginning of All Out. Uh, and what do you fill that time with other than more wrestling, of course? Which uh, to the, the the many the, the few wives that were there qu- said. The first time when they saw Royal Quest, they said, oh, is this the show we're watching? And and all the husbands had to say, no, 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 that's like later. And then uh, we put on NXT UK Cardiff and then they went, oh, OK, cool. So this is the show you guys are watching. And we were like, no, not quite. This is the second or the third. Uh, and then halfway through all out, they all said, can we please go home? This is terrible. I'm going to stop doing this. But uh, because of that, I, we had to kind of decide, OK, what parts of NXT UK TakeOver we're going to watch. Uh, so we had to just basically jump until like halfway into the show. So I saw the Cesaro Ilya uh, match all the way pretty much until the, the end of that. So let me get this straight. You've seen all of All Out. Correct. As as heard on voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Instant reaction. All, all of Royal Quest. All of Royal Quest, yes. And half of NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. Right. That's not bad. I figured with skipping off to Iceland that your answer would have been, well, I saw the main event of All Out and I haven't seen any Royal Quest yet. and um and and i figured you would just blow off nxt uk no i mean hey when you're there live i mean that that was a day like we we kind of made it like when you make that a thing when you start at 10 a.m yeah grind on the wrestling it's great you just say like this is what i'm doing today i'm just watching wrestling today i know you had mentioned on on, uh i think offline you were saying that you just had to have one of those days where you're just like tlb sorry (laughs) this is a wrestling day like from leading to end or whatever i don't think you quite did that because that was the birthday dinner day but uh yeah sometimes you just have to say if you just lock it down and just watch it live because that—that's the excruciating part—is watching stuff back. Like if you miss a lot of it live, and you got to go, okay, like like that—that that happens a lot of weekends where like a, something's going on, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I got to watch, you know, 
whatever, some random G1 show or some random New Japan show, and you try to watch it on like a Tuesday, it just kind of always feels... But if you just watch it live, you just watch it as it happens, it's so much easier. It's just so much better for us the way we do the show, just to kind of check that box and be like, cool, all right, good. I don't have to watch that the whole week. So that's good. I already watched it. It's good. It's done. Well, it's easier to get into it when it's live. Exactly, right. And, and if you know you have to go back and watch something, first you have to form the motivation to go back and watch it. And then you have to try to be into it when it happened three days ago and you already know who won and you're not watching on sport. It's just, it's a lot harder. I agree. It's much easier to watch it live. So, all right, you kept up with the wrestling. I, I wanted to kill you, but, but I can't kill you, but you missed a very, uh, a very <laughs> newsworthy week with the site. Listen, I'm always going to get us in trouble, especially when you're not around. So that that should be right. Well, I, to be fair, and 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 to be a little, I I I think I started the trouble, and then you like I, I subtly started the trouble, and then you took it another level, which is is you talk about the Kylie Ray stuff, the Kylie Ray stuff, yeah. Which which I want to say for people that have not listened to last week's episode, we don't have to go over that all all over again or whatnot. But I did listen yeah. to last week's episode, and I listened to that that opening monologue, and people should definitely go back and listen to that. I think that is one of the best pieces of audio. Uh, that you've ever done. And I think the most true audio that you've ever done, like I'm fist pumping the entire time. And, and cause that's exactly how I feel about the situation as well. A hundred percent the way I felt. And that that's kind of, and I sent some tweets out. I think it was Sunday. I want to say I sent some tweets out and it's because like we were in, you know, the, we've had weeks now of this kind of like, Oh, well, this Kylie Ray thing. What a, what a disaster. Oh my God. Oh, people are, and it's just always this like hushed tones and daddy, yada, yada. And like people just being like, well, let's whatever Kylie Ray, whatever. And, and I just kind of lost it. And I was like, no, like there's gotta be like, if people are going to talk in hushed tones and sort of bring up her name and all this sort of stuff, but then also just kind of say, oh, whatever, huh? who cares? Well, you know, what are you going to do? It happened or, Oh, well, you know, so you, you know, nobody knows the whole story. Oh, this story is going to, it was just like annoying where it's just like, oh, can, can somebody just have the story? Can somebody just actually look into this thing and 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 see what's going on and 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 find out more about it and and that's kind of what my angle was and then I think you took it in a, in, in a great angle as well where people were just kind of saying and you know well, why who cares that she wants her privacy and uh, Tony Khan said it's nothing so it's got to be nothing and it's just like I I, I was listening to that and, and reading the tweets uh, you know whenever I was able to get Wi-Fi and just kind of getting infuriated and more infuriated and, and seeing the mentions and seeing people saying that and I was so glad to hear that audio and and hear from people that we really do appreciate there was a lot of as you said on, on audio as well, like real journalists, people that we really do respect in the wrestling industry that jumped on. They didn't want to catch the heat, and I get it. So they weren't in the mentions. They weren't quote tweeting because they don't want to get the heat, but the DMs were filled with people saying, right on, you're absolutely on the money. I'm trying to look into this. I can't find anything. I'm getting you know roadblocks, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Like It was great to see that real people are trying while the rest of the people are just saying, well, respect your privacy. And well, Tony Khan said it's nothing. So it's got to be nothing. It's like, okay, well, then I guess it's nothing that this woman who loved wrestling and all she ever wanted to do was wrestle and, and got the biggest push of her life would just disappear off the face of the earth one day out of nowhere. I'm sure that's perfectly fine and just exactly uh, normal. And there's not anything wrong with that. So yeah, that's, but yeah, I thought that audio was real great last week. And, and yeah, I was kind of both glad to kind of be away from that storm, but then also... I, I kind of wanted to be a part of it a little bit as well because I do think that's an important topic that that again, like you said, time I think will be on our side with this when when the details eventually do emerge if if they do ever emerge. So we'll see. Well, thank you for that. And it's like, first of all, that was a second draft because the first time the first rant went unrecorded. <laughs> so I had to do it all over again. Uh, which as you know, as someone who does this you never get the same level 
of passion or anything else when you have to repeat the same points over again because you forgot to slap record or something went wrong with the recording on the first try. I had that big emotional dump doing it the first time, and then it didn't record. And you don't know how deflating that was. I almost threw in the towel on the whole show because you know how frustrating that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. I mean, it, it's worse to lose a three-hour show, but like losing even a 20-minute segment, you just, A, you have to go back and talk about that again, which is the worst thing. And yeah. nobody, if, if you don't record audio, you don't do podcasts, there's nothing don't like understand. having yeah. to re-talk about, like say we talk, if, if we cover it on this show or we're, we're going to preview the destruction shows, if that didn't record, Joe, there's no way that I can go, okay, uh, yeah. Jay White and Tetsuya Naito for the second time. We've done it because, you know, it's part of the job that you have to do it. But it's like you would rather do anything else in the world than talk about the same thing you just talked about again and then try to match, like fake match the enthusiasm or excitement or yes. the points that you had before. It's just off. Especially a topic like that. So I had this big emotional dump. Then it wasn't there. And I almost just hand waved the whole thing. So I just I took a break. I left the house. I went and had some lunch. I punched the air. And then I did it again. And obvious, you know, it, it, and you know exactly where I'm coming from when I say, I know I crushed it better the first time. You know what I mean? It's like, because it's like, again, you're repeating the same points and you're trying to remember everything. And there's key points that I forgot to say the second time. But the point here is, that's all in my head. What everybody heard, they seem to enjoy and agree with. And I guess that's all that matters. And the most, the best part about it, I, I've never, been more confident in my life that I'm right about something. And and I, I do think that time will 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 prove us when I say us, you and everyone all the other people who agree that there's a story here will prove us right. I've never been more confident that I was correct about something. And it's like the best part about it, Rich, is seeing is seeing the following all week long. I hate Joe Lanza, but and then they agree with me. <laughs> there was there was a lot of that, which is good. That means you that means you must have had a good point because those people couldn't even bring themselves to still hate. Well, it's not you, just so. the fact that people who hate my guts agree with me. It's that they publicly admitted that they do you know how right I must be? <laughs> the rightest if, you've if, ever been. If, if people who hate me hate me, not dislike me, not you know, ah, I'm not too fond of him. No, they hate me. When people who hate you publicly admit that they're on your side and agree with you on something, and it's not just one or two people, okay? It was a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of uh, past blocks that have recently unblocked us and now refollowing us. So. Yes, to tell us, I still hate you, but my God, were you right? And, and you are so right on this. That is the sign that you're, you're really on the right side of something. But... It wasn't just the Kylie Ray thing, Rich. Case Low got us fucking it, it, it destroyed. Oh, that, that I want. So, so obviously being in Iceland, I was I was five hours. Um, what was I ahead of you guys? Well, I forget if it was ahead or behind or whatever the hell it was. So I remember I, I woke up one morning and it had to be I forget what it was something in the mor- middle of the night in Iceland and th- during the middle of the day there. I don't forget what it was exactly, but I picked up my phone and I looked at the Twitter logo, and there's just a gigantic red number of notifications, like 125, and I'm just like, oh, no, like, what did Joe do? What the hell? I click, and it is, I've never heard, seen the word yes, I'm sure, or yes more times than, than our mentions had 
uh, for that article Case Low did about the, uh, are we sure the Young Bucks aren't the greatest tag team uh, of all time, which uh, I got us in a lot of trouble, but I thought was a pretty uh, pretty awesome piece. I'm glad he did that one. And, and that's another one I'm glad to be in trouble for because um, that's another one. Yeah, argue through history. I, you know, time might show us be right there. Time might show uh, Case Low to be right. So I really, I really enjoyed that article. But yeah, that was... Uh, that was a day scrolling through the mentions and saying, "Oh my God, what happened here?" And then just seeing just a barrage of of, of people trying to dunk and and uh, yeah, that was that was good. With Every such time... luminaries as the Harlem Heat and Demolition. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I want to get to that, but every time. I flip the app open on the phone. There were triple digit mentions <laughs> right. of the same time, like. Everyone, first of all, I don't know. Do you think this is an argument in favor or against titling every article as a question? Right? Because the title of the article was, Are we sure the Young Bucks aren't the greatest tag team of all time? Question mark. To which everyone thought they were the most clever person ever <laughs> and hit quote tweet and answered either yes or I've never been more sure of anything in my life or, you know, some variation of that. Okay, you you weren't the first person to think of that quote tweet. Okay, and you had to know that was a hack response, but they all went for it anyway. So is it good that we phrased it as a question to get all of that? I don't know interaction, or do you think it's bad and it's just annoying? Because there's two different ways of looking at that. It without question brought a ton of attention and eyeballs to the site. Now, do I think that ninety percent of those people never clicked the article? Of course, that's what I think. But 10% of them probably did, right? So is it a good thing or a bad thing that we phrased it in the form of a question, Jeopardy style? Uh, you know, I, and I was kind of looking at the analytics uh, earlier today about that exact same thing to see if, okay, was it a good idea or a bad idea? No How hard numbers, actually... Rich. No hard yeah, numbers no, I'm not giving, not, okay. I'm not giving any hard numbers. Don't worry. But I will say, oh, absolutely. You got to hit the big bucks yeah. for that. Beat me or Joe. Um, but we did get a lot of new users, a lot of new users that clicked on the link. Now, a lot of them didn't stay to read it, but a lot of them did stay to read okay, it. Okay, so what you're saying is, for people who may not understand the uh, the website biz, you're saying people who have never looked at our site before Correct. popped in for that article. They did. Which, in theory, is a good thing. Absolutely. A lot of them left immediately after, and that's kind of a fun thing, too. That's how I also know that they're probably new, because it, like it, repeat users, usually they'll come to the site. And we can see that they click around a little bit. They go to this page. They go to that page. They read this. They read that. Like those ones, they they read a lot. They don't just jump in for one article and then bounce, you know, in, right. in a little bit. But these new users, and that's that tends to be the case with a lot of new users to websites. The first time they go to a website, the first time they've they've ever stumbled upon the site, they'll read the article that was presented to them or that got their attention, and then they'll leave. Well, this time they, you know, if they did that, they came, but they left right away. But that, again, like that's that's kind of the game. Regardless, you got a ton right. of new users. Now, how many of those are going to come back for future stuff? We're going to see. You know, I, I there's ways in analytics where you can kind of track those people. So I'm going to see all those people that that came in for that Bucks article. I'll I'll see if they ever do come back uh, again, and maybe we'll talk about it uh, uh, again next week or off air or something like that. But uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff to see that. So it did kind of work, but it made our mentions an absolute dumpster fire. So it's like a gift and a curse. Right? Yes, I'm glad that a lot of people read Case's article and and, and checked it out and. And had some opinions about it, but I'm also like really upset because it just, yeah, it just destroyed the mentions for, for God, it had to be two days nonstop, just constant, just attempts at being the funniest person in the world and every single one of them failing miserably. So yeah, it's a, a gift and a curse for sure. Yeah. So it definitely, um, I guess without question, there's more people aware of our site now that were before, 
I mean, I think there's no question about that. Uh, you know, they, they all think that they all, you know, they think we're idiots because they disagree with Case's premise. Now, Case's article was very well written. And I don't even necessarily. Early for his argument. Uh, and and the, the thing about it is some of the responses, like you said, were just so vapid. Like you're just on another planet. If like there were people just bringing up teams that, you know, they're just you, you obviously didn't read the article or understand what angle this argument is coming from. If you're bringing up, like you said, like Harlem Heat, the mega powers, I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. But but by far the most popular response was the Usos. There were more Uso responses than any other response. And granted, most of them came from like Sasha Banks role play accounts. You know what I mean? Like what I learned here too is that any account that has a Sasha Banks pick in the avatar is usually a trash account. Oh, like, for sure. You can just easily you just block on site for sure. One of the easiest things on in, on wrestling Twitter to 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 figure out is is if it has Sasha Banks in the handle or in the avatar, it's probably a very bad account with nothing productive to say. Um, and, and granted, a lot of times that's probably children, you know, and we're getting all worked up because a fucking thirteen year old is screaming <laughs> at us about the Usos. You know what I mean? But it's like, really makes you think um, about your life, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Like, you're getting wound up and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I got I have to not uh, do this. Uh, yeah. I, I, you have to take a breath and say, this is probably a 16 year old that is screaming about the Usos and Breeze Dango. I got some Breeze Dango response. I love Rich. it. Yeah. I like it. That's um, legitimate in earnest. <laughs> that's a Breeze strong, Dango response. Strong take. Um, I'd love to read their article. If they want to, if, if anybody that brought Breeze Dango to us wants to write an article, uh, I would definitely uh, consider publishing it because that's uh, it's a strong take that you're going to have to, you know, it's a, it's a big swing that you're going to have to, <laughs> to make up you, you for. Know, but uh, yeah, that's... It, it's funny though. It's like, I guess the article got passed around in those kind of circles, which is why we got all those responses because we weren't getting a ton of, you know, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, the Fantastics, uh, Holy Demon Army, uh, you know, whoever, you know, Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson. Like, right, we weren't getting, getting legit ones that I would be like, no, nah, you know what? Yeah, Holy Demon Army, you got a definitely case for that. It was like ones where I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Road Warriors. Reason. Like, we got, you know, like the only person who brought up the Road Warriors was like Rob Naylor. Like, like <laughs> right. Like, no one's bringing up like legitimate counter arguments. There was all also the one like, guy that, said I could name 500 then you challenged him he brought up the road warriors uh but yeah by what about 70 he was like ah you're right maybe they're in the okay. top 500 so. so that guy said I can name a thousand teams better a thousand than oh my god it wasn't even 500 it was a thousand and I said are you sure because a thousand's a <laughs> That's lot, a lot I'm like I'm, listen if you don't like I, if the, the point wasn't even okay I don't care if you don't like the young bucks but are you sure and he's like yeah you're right a thousand's a lot but I bet I can do 500 and I was like, you know what? This is a fun exercise. Go for it. It wasn't like combative or anything. He was a nice guy, you know, and he started naming teams and he tapped out at about, I think it was 117. He tapped out and he said, you know what? I can't do this. I'm tired. But even at 117, he's kind of just naming teams. You know what I mean? It's not like, like at least half of the teams had no case whatsoever. Like, you know, one of the teams he named was Bobby Eaton and Coco Beware, which was a nice little territory team, 
But nobody considers that like an all, even close to any kind of all-time team or anything like that. They, they ain't even team all that often in the grand scheme of things. So it's like, I don't know. But that, that yeah, that brought a ton of respect. The likes of which I don't think we've, I don't think we've ever received the kind of feedback that we received to that. But yeah, the uh, only but thing it is that was an close. interesting question. Again, the only one that was close that, that I can ever remember is remember when I uh, I took a picture of Zara or whatever her name was when she debuted at Dreamwave. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. we for a year and a half were still getting likes on those tweets. The like the weird yeah. subculture of I yep. forget what her, her fucking last name was. She was dating Seth Rollins at the time. She was in NXT. Zara, yeah. whatever the hell her fucking name was. Yeah, I just said Zara's here. <laughs> that was that's all it was. And my God, like the, the the stream of shit we got that night, the next day, and then for weeks, months, and like literally a year after was just ridiculous. There'd be like five likes a day, and I'm like, what? Why? It's just like a, a blurry Anything, picture. Well, it the was thing so about weird. It is, it's yeah. Now she's dating uh, uh, Sony Deville, right? Right, Daria Baronado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would I call her Daria Baronado? <laughs> yeah, Sony Deville, Deville I think. At last check, they were a couple, but who knows? I mean, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. But the point here is, yeah, she was with Rollins, and then she did remember she she had a contract, and then she got caught with like Nazi paraphernalia or yes. something. Yes, she did. Or like pictures pictures of Nazi fucking. She collects Nazi shit like World War Two era. So they fired her, and um, so I think what happened, and and her first wrestling appearance after that was Rich was you at that was AEW right? Oh uh, yeah, uh, no Dreamwave. A- that was still Dreamwave, I believe. Dreamwave, then yeah. Okay, so that was her first wrestling appearance, and and Rich posted the picture. But Rich, I think the reason that we were we were like to this day we still get a notification <laughs> every so then. often. Yeah, every so often someone will slap favorite on it or something. But I think the reason is any women's wrestler who is under contract to WWE is going to get that kind of, it's just that that's the culture that you ended up. That's the subculture that that tapped into the, the, you know, the diva stands, the, the WWE women's wrestler subculture is deep and it's not just deep. It is fucking devoted. I mean, they, do you see the abuse that like Casey Michael goes through sometimes? Oh, absolutely, he has yeah. to report something negative. Dig into his reporting on, on, uh, on Alicia Fox, if you're listening, and and look at the abuse that he takes from Alicia Fox fans, it's just it's so you tap into that. And Rich didn't say anything bad, thank God. We'd still be getting cursed. Uh, all he did was post a picture and say she was there, and people still how that had to be five years ago, right? Yeah, I'm trying to look at the exact date. Yeah, October third, two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Oh God, yeah, and still, still to this day. Uh, Get, so, get a few favorites every so often, but not not too often anymore. But so are the Young Bucks the greatest tag team of all time? Is there a ca- let me put it to you this way? Is there a case that they're the greatest tag team of all? I time? think they're. I, I think you can make a real case uh, about it. Would I be comfortable saying right now, gun in my head, they are? I, I don't know that I'd be a hundred percent fine with that. I would like to kind of look at some other stuff. Like it, like to me, they're in the picture at least. Like I don't know if I can give you right now definitively, Joe. My top. Number one, no doubt, or tag best tag team of all time, or whatever. But they absolutely have to be in 
the running in some way, shape, or form. If they're not in in, in your running, then you're just I, I think you're just ignoring a lot of what's been going on in wrestling for the last decade or or, or so. Because I mean, this team one of the more prolific teams in wrestling in terms of, of of matches wrestled over the last decade or whatever. They've worked everywhere. They've worked in every country. Worked in New Japan. They've worked in Mexico. They've worked in America. And you know, on their backs. The, the biggest competition that's been brought to American wrestling in, you know, a, a decade plus is because of them as well. So it's like it's impossible not to give them credit on that level. I mean, they they are definitely up there. And I think what helps them, too, is that the, the, the two guys don't have any significant singles experience that really stands out to it. I think that that helps a lot because right. we had, you know, we had some other people on, and we even have an article on the website about the Hardys, which, which, you know, I don't fully agree about the Hardys because I just don't know that they have the longevity there. And, and, and again, like the Hardys, I think people conflate a lot of, Oh, the Hardys are one of the greatest tag teams of all time with Matt and Jeff Hardy are very good wrestlers that had very good careers. But I don't know if you said, okay, let's eliminate all Jeff Hardy, single stuff and all Matt Hardy, single stuff, just looking at the, parties tag team stuff i don't know i mean it's great left with there's yeah. not there's a lot of great stuff in there but i think people sort of and they do that with like teams like harlem heat too like if you actually legitimately believe harlem heat is good it's because you think booker t is good and the booker t right. had a great career but like booker t what booker t did in 2005 in wwe doesn't matter that's not harlem right. heat harlem heat is him and stevie ray and like there's no way that you can make a case for that and people like with the mega powers will bring that up too no you're saying hulk hogan and randy savage are the great you know two of your favorites of all time that's fine you could do that so i think that's one thing that helps those guys a lot is that they you can't really strike that out at all it's like everything that they've done everything that they've accomplished has been together and they've been doing it for for so long now and 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 yeah i think you can make a real case about them i really do am i comfortable 100 saying yeah absolutely they are right now no i don't think so but they have to be in the running. I think they absolutely have to be in the running. They're in my running. I mean, they're definitely in my list uh, of top ones. And and I would think, I think a real shot to be the top all time. I mean, then hell, their careers maybe are just getting started. They might have another 10 years in head. That's the thing <laughs> about the Bucks. They, they already have the longevity in terms of being a great team for a long time, longer than most of the teams that were being thrown at us and longer than most of the teams, period. I mean, you know, you look at the Midnight Express. First of all, you have to break that into two different teams. Okay, you have the the Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton version. Sure. And you have the Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton version. And I'm sorry, those are two different teams. Yeah, to me, you can't combine them. And if you really want to take it far, there's like six different versions of that team. If you want to talk about Condry and Randy Rose, and you want to talk about uh, uh, Norval Austin and Dennis Condry, or if you want to talk about fucking Bob Holly and uh. And and, and and Bart Gunn. I mean, there's like half a dozen different versions of the Midnight Express, and none of them were together for longer than like three years. Okay, so there's a longevity issue there. You know, even even teams like people were bringing up like the Hart Foundation. Okay, and even though they have more longevity than some of these other teams, you're talking about two runs. One of them was like about four years, and the other was like what a year and a half or two years. So basically, they have, yeah, you know, basically, yeah, I might be off by a year or two there, and it's like. Longevity alone with the Young Bucks, you know, uh, uh, as legitimate indie draws and now legitimate major league draws as a top drawing act for a legitimate major league company, which, like you said, is just getting started, uh, redefined the merchandise game and and did it like and did it as small as essentially small business owners did it themselves. You know, and, and so, the, you know, put the work aside, even if you don't like their matches, I mean, on longevity alone and some of the things that they've accomplished and, and their overall influence to the business and where they are now and the fact they're just getting started. I mean, yeah, I, I do think that they're in the conversation and I think you're being unfair if you just don't like their style of work. 
to completely write them off um, in that regard. And here's the other thing. If you're going to completely write them off because you don't like their style of work, please don't bring up the Usos, who basically are, uh, you know, uh, very it's very similar in style to the Young Bucks to the point that they've ripped off a lot of their act, if we're being completely honest. And it's like, don't bring up the Hardys either. Because, yeah, you know, the Young Bucks are like a derivative of the Hardys, and the Hardys were nothing but a spot fest tag team at their peak, too. They made their career in ladder matches. That's where they – you think of the Hardys, you know, they, you don't think of old-school Southern tags, Rich. You think of, of falling off of ladders against – Right, Jeff Edgar Hardy Christian falling off of high sings through a table. That's what you think of. Which so. is exactly what the Bucks are. So you have to be fair, too. We had a lot of people go, ah, oh, the Young Bucks, they're a couple of junior spot monkeys. The Hardys, now that's a real tag team. And it's <laughs> right, like, that's a, yeah, exactly. They're the same thing. I mean, you can't – you know, I, I, I'm okay if you don't like that style, but you're making a, an idiot of yourself, you know, and – the Usos, I mean, you know, who were throwing all those super kicks first? Okay, it wasn't the Usos, all right? But, um, you know, as far as the Usos, they, I, I have said, I'm on record saying they're probably the greatest WWE tag team of all time. Again, they have a longevity argument. And just by sheer amount of matches that they have in this era, you know, being sometimes on TV twice a week and all of the monthly pay-per-views, they've got a lot of great matches under their belt. And people don't probably don't realize how many great matches they have under their belt. I don't think they stack up historically, uh, you know, to the Rock and Roll Express or either version of the Midnight Express or the Fantastics. And if, you know, you want to go way back again, you know, people will tell you that Patterson and Ray Stevens are the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, Rich. I wasn't at the Cal Palace to see a bunch of those matches, and you weren't either, so it's hard to speak on that. Um, you know, WWE, you want, you want to go back? I mean, you got, uh, you know, Rocca and Miguel Perez were a legitimate headlining act in MSG uh, when WWF was a tag team territory, you know, before Bruno San Martino, before Buddy Rogers even. It was a tag team uh, territory, and, 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 and that team, you know, headlined the – they were Mass Square Garden headliners for years. And, um, you know, everything you read and everything you see, they were having matches that were, that were you know, good for their day. So there's some older teams like that that Case didn't get into, but who can blame him? He's, you know, he's 20 years old. I mean, and he's seen a ton of wrestling, but, you know, wrestling is the kind of thing where you kind of have to see these teams wrestle or you can't really. And he did bring up Holy Demon Army and some of the other teams that I talked about. And those are probably one of the ones I'd go with if I really had a gun to my head. But I, I don't think the Bucks being in the conversation is completely absurd. I mean, you have to bring up the road warriors and, uh, but I tell you, you don't have to bring up, like, I, I don't think the heart foundation are in that conversation. And no, I don't God, think, no. God, no. you know, and, and the Hardys, I don't know, have, I struggle with the Hardys too. And I, people were bringing up edge and Christian, and I don't think you can put them in that conversation either. And I, I, it's, it's, um, you know, I, it, it, you know, it, it, a lot of the WWF teams, particularly from the eighties and nineties, they're cool gimmicks. They're memorable. But there really isn't a lot of meat on the bone. Right, I mean, right, right. Name five great Heart Foundation matches. Five great legendary Heart Foundation matches. You're going to struggle. I mean, you know, because the the best matches from that era, the best tag team matches from that era were on house shows. You know, they weren't high-profile pay-per-view matches. You look at the Killer Bees. They were a tag team in that era for, you know, a number of years. Can you even think of three Killer Bees pay-per-view matches, let alone good ones? 
I mean, you've got Volkov and Sheik at WrestleMania three, which was just to get Duggan over. Right. And I don't even know if they had another two versus two tag team. I'm not sure. Yeah, everything that I remember the Killer Bees is in Survivor Series matches. So yeah, I don't know. That's what I mean. And it's like those teams all you know, demolition, they were a nice little team. All of those teams from that era, people grew up on them. And and when you grow up on something, you have it it, it fucks with your memories. It's like they, there isn't as much meat on the bone with those teams. There just isn't. Try to think of great matches that the name five great strike force matches. I mean, you can't, and I'm not trying to put these teams down. That's when I grew up too. Okay. And, and you know, I love that era of tag team wrestling, but it doesn't compare uh, to what was going on at the same time in other promotions, uh, you know, uh, namely Crockett and, and some of the Southern territories. And it doesn't compare to a team like the Bucks, who are going out there having great matches every time they step in a ring all over the world for the last 10 years. It just does not compare. Um, you know, uh, it, it, just the level of, of good, it just, it just smokes all of these teams that people are bringing up. And again, like Harlem Heat, how many great matches did Harlem Heat have? Dirty Secret two. is not that many. <laughs> yeah, okay, but they, were a, they, were an awesome, they were an awesome gimmick, a memorable gimmick, and Booker T fucking rules so people remember it, uh, you know, it, 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 that it didn't really go down. So teams like that, it's like you just shake your head and you're like, you can't win arguments with people who, who are looking at their childhood through rose-colored glasses. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So you don't even – so you don't bother. You know, and, and that's, I think, where a lot of the Uso stuff is coming because you have people who are fans now who are like – and they're WWE, WWE fans. And they may not watch a ton of other stuff. And I have no problem with the Usos. I just said they're probably the greatest WWE tag. It's either them or the Rockers, in my view, because I thought the Rockers were phenomenal every time they were given a chance. They just didn't have as many chances. As, a team like the Usos, they just have more chances. Right, right. They're, they're from a different minutes. era where you can do that. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in you know, the Rockers era, and, and that, it's exactly what happened is that if that team got successful and, and, and it happened with the Hart Foundation too, and one of the guys was clearly better than the other guy, they weren't going to fuck around and keep them in a tag team. They were going right. to say, get out of here. You know, like, fuck, Shawn Michaels, you're a single star. Bret Hart, you're a single star. Who cares about the other guy? Like, right. whereas now, like the Usos, and and again, like I said, that's kind of the Bucks. Um, advantage here in a lot of ways is that it's like all right well like the bucks have never been able to kind of go out on their own so that because of that they've always been able to be a team and there wasn't like one it wasn't like matt emerges like so far and way better than nick or whatever where it was like oh shit matt should be a single star it was it was just like they've always just been kind of in lockstep and that's similar to the uso so teams like that i'm always gonna sort of favor over over teams that had short maybe memorable, but short runs. I'm always going to go with longevity. Like the Briscoes are another interesting team yes. too. I didn't see them come up a lot and I don't really want to have this conversation go on for another, you know, 40 minutes or whatever, right. but they're a team that again, like the longevity of them, I think really stands out. And that's even if you cut out, you know, Jay's single run, uh, Jay singles run where, you know, he's a top champion. Like you have to cut that set stuff out. And I think that's, uh, I said it at the top too. That's the thing I think a lot of people have trouble with when they talk about edge and Christian. Well, okay. You're, you're, you're giving every credit and everything that, that edge and Christian ever did as single stars to them as a tag team and you can't do that in this conversation you just have to talk about tag teams but if you eliminate even jay briscoe's single stuff the briscoes are also as prolific as the young bucks in a lot of ways in terms of having matches since literally what 2002 to you know today with a few year gaps in between there i mean every single night every single ring of honor show having really really good matches really good stuff but the thing that i think that puts the bucks over is that like 
on their backs, you know, largely emerges AEW. And like, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that these quote junior spot monkeys that throw super kicks or whatever sold a fuck ton of t-shirts and a fuck ton of tickets. And now have, you know, vaulted their careers into, in, into AEW. Like that can't be ignored. Like not many other tag teams can say, yeah, we were so good and so successful that, you know, the second biggest company in America was created on our backs. Like, you know, that's that's an important thing that needs to be, you know, despite you could say, oh, well, Cody was involved in that and Khan and the right time, right place, whatever. That's what wrestling's all about is being in the right time, the right place. But there's no denying that if the Bucks aren't the way that they are, AEW doesn't exist. Like we can agree on that, right? If Cody's oh, whatever absolutely. Cody is and Kenny is whatever Kenny is and Tony Khan's whatever Tony Khan is, that shit doesn't happen without the young Bucks, though. No. And and you can make the argument that they're the top drawing act in the company. You may not win. There's an argument for Kenny Omega. There's an argument for Cody. Sure. But it's those three. And, and, you know, it's probably a combination of all, but, um, and, and the only teams that can really match their longevity, is, you know, are, are, te- are, 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 like you said, the Briscoes, the Rock and Roll Express, the Usos are getting up there. They've been a team since like 2011 in that company. So it's like, and what's the common theme? It's like what you just talked about. There's no breakout singles guy. So it works to their advantage in that regard to where they're going to stay together because what are you going to do? Have a Jimmy Uso singles run? I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, Matt knows he's nothing without Nick. Uh, Jay Briscoe is the closest thing with these four teams to su- to someone who could have been a breakout singles guy. And he was for stretches in ROH. Mm-hmm. But they never completely forgot about the tag team. And, they always, and it's always easy to put them back together. And, you know, those are four of the most prolific tag teams, um, you know, of all time. You have the original fabulous kangaroos who have to be mentioned again two guys who were better off together than you know one of them going off on their own so they stayed together for a long time i'm talking about the original version of kangaroos you know and that's really going back again to where no one listening have seen them wrestle so it's like how do you how do you talk about them you know in sports we have statistics that we can lean on if we want to talk about uh you know otto graham we at least have statistics we can look at and at least we have stats now that contextualize the statistics for the era that we can lean on, even if no one alive or very few people alive can intelligently talk about watching Otto Graham throw a football, we can talk about him. But how many people can intelligently talk about the fabulous kangaroos without having seen them? I mean, you can't do it. So you kind of have to throw out those teams who teamed, you know, before the mid 60s or even the early 70s because there's just limited footage and there's not many people around anymore who can talk about them. But all of the teams that stay around and have the longevity to match the Bucks are teams. There's not many of them, and they're all like you're right. saying. They lacked the breakout because you don't keep teams together if you have a breakout singles star, especially in this era where tag teams have been so de-emphasized by the market leader, and everybody follows the leader. So, and in Japan, it's always just your great tag teams in Japan, for the most part, are two great singles wrestlers who came together for a couple of years. Or two right, great exactly. singles, Holy Demon Army, and 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 those sort of guys, which is, is awesome that that, yeah. that we have those, and they are you know great standout teams. But yeah, it's just because that's sort of the way that all Japan booked uh, at that time, which gave us you know Kobashi Masawa and and, and Tawa and Kawada or whatever, which is awesome that it gave. But it's like those guys, and that's kind of what I struggle with is like I don't, and and maybe that's incorrect on my behalf, and maybe I shouldn't do that. But to me, I don't think tag team when I think about those guys, and I and it's and it's not because they didn't have great tag matches. Of course, they had incredible tag matches, but they just don't feel. You know, you know what I'm saying? I like they don't you. feel like a team. Like Kobashi Masawa, I think of them as individuals and what they were able to do. They were great as a team. They did incredible stuff as a team. Tao and Kawada, like the same deal. Incredible stuff as teams. Some of the greatest tag matches ever with those guys involved. It's just because they were such prolific figures and such big figures as single stars, it's hard to kind of attribute them 
to solely a tag team and just kind of melt it down to, oh, well, the Holy Demon Army, that's a team. And it's, I, I don't know, I struggle with that for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, but it's like, yeah, it was either two guys in, in Japan, they'd break them up because they could be single stars, or, or was one guy giving the other, or, or was later on, where it was two guys that were already established coming together. So it's, it's just not the same. Um, but yeah, there, you know, there's plenty of great Japanese teams too that you can throw in the mix if you can get over that mental hurdle that, that Rich struggles with. But, um, but yeah, the, the bottom line here is, and we weren't planning on this being a segment, is I, I do think it's fair to include the Bucks in the mix, even if ultimately I wouldn't have them at number one. But like you say, they have so much career ahead of them, which, which is what really makes it scary. And you can't really envision a singles run for either one of them. You really can't. They they know that they need to be together, and it, it, it's it's uh you know and now they're they're a top act in this promotion and they're adding they're doing nothing but adding to their resume still, and uh, you know uh, in this pro I mean people are loving these Lucha Brothers match. I mean we're tired of them, but these are you know great matches that people are just discovering now. A lot of people are just are, this is newly discovered for them and. They're going to keep adding to it. And then you know that this promotion is going to emphasize tag teams, which is going to work in their favor too. So was Casey's argument absurd? No way. It was not an absurd argument at all. So um, anyway, it's turned into a segment, I guess. Yeah, it did. I enjoyed it, though. As you can tell, we don't have any uh, shows to actually review. Oh, there's some previews coming up and some news to talk about. Fun. Shows like this are fun because we've kind of been dragged down in, in recent years because wrestling companies keep fucking producing so much goddamn content that we have to talk about wrestling and review wrestling shows every single week. But it's kind of fun to just kind of, hey, for 40 minutes, let's talk about shit. Rich, Joe, like- I am so tired of having an opinion on wrestling matches. <laughs> I, I can't review match. I, I really need a break from reviewing matches. This week matches. is good. It's this, like- this is a great week to get away from it i'm so glad that nothing popped up either i was like i know the super j cup did show up but like i i i kind i might watch like osprey and, and amazing red i might watch a few matches but i was just like nah, i don't really want to like binge watch all that before the show it's like it's kind of nice to just kind of feel like yeah you know what i'm just gonna talk about news i'm just gonna give my opinion about the wrestling world and big picture level on the show and it was kind of nice not to have to be like all right tyler bait and walter talk about it joe rich do you ever do you ever watch wrestling that you know we're not going to talk about on the show, right? And think to yourself, oh my God, I can just watch this match and not have to have an opinion on it. Because I do that all the time. Like I'll be watching some promotion that we're not going to talk about or something old or whatever the case. And it's it feels like there's weight off my shoulders because I'm like, I don't have to watch this match with a critical eye. I can just watch it. I don't have to have an opinion. I don't have to break down the psychology of this match or come up with a star rating. I can just sit here and watch this match with my brain turned off. Do you ever have that thought process? So I actually have the exact opposite where if I watch something, I assume, and I kind of tell myself I'm wasting myself. If I don't, if I don't have an opinion about this, if I don't tweet that I'm watching, you know, the Royal rumble 1991. And, and I, if I don't, you know, get in on grapple and throw my rate, I have this weird phobia or this weird fear or whatever that like, I shouldn't watch wrestling without providing some sort of content back or give my i think because i'm so trained to like watch that give opinion write down opinion like think about it like i i don't know that i can turn it off and it sucks like as i watch stuff and i should just be like cool i like i i was i try to pop in uh because i have a a super j cup like compilation blu-ray that that uh when this when this new one got announced i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna watch like the 1996 or whatever the hell it was maybe 2000 i forget super j cup and then i was like oh i should like 
do a Patreon series about this, or I should, right. you know, like write an article about it. And I was like, no, just fucking watch it. Right? Just sit yeah. down, watch it, dummy. Drink a goddamn beer, like sit yeah. there and fucking watch it without giving it a goddamn pity. But I, I can't, and it's like hard. Like I try, I have to tell myself, just fucking watch it, dummy, and don't yeah. care what other people like. Don't give your opinion about it. Just fucking watch it. But I, it's, it, it's weird. I, I. I have trouble with that. So I, I'm the exact opposite. I, I always think I'm wasting watching a wrestling show without providing content with it. So. Yeah. No, I hear you. But it's like I stopped reviewing like MLW and stuff like that a few months back. But I still watch it. But it's like I just watch it for pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I, 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 like I watched MLW today. You know, and it's like just today I watched it. And there was a Hammerstone versus Goshiozaki match from Noah that they aired on MLW this week. And I'm like, thinking to myself this is so cool where I, I i don't have to worry about coming up with some kind of hot take on this i could just watch the match because it, like last week was the worst too it's like you know I, I know i'm ribbing you and everything but you're on vacation you're not around and it's like oh my god these three fucking shows because you know how it is too a lot of times we'll, we'll review shows and you know i'm sure it's the same for you as it is for me sometimes i won't have a strong opinion on a fucking match so I'll just kick it to you. I'll be like, Rich, <laughs> right. talk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I'm like, I, I, Rich will take this one. You know what I mean? And we never talk about that, but it's like an unspoken thing. I'm like, I really don't have anything to say about this fucking Zack Sabre Jr. match. I am just going to say, ah, I, I kind of liked it. Rich, what did you think? And I'm going to pray that he talks for like two minutes. And then when he's done talking, I'm going to transition to the next match because I don't want to talk about it. But when you're by yourself for three hours, you have to have something to say about every fucking match. And, you know, I shouldn't say this on the air, but I feel like last week's show fucking sucked. Because when I got to that portion of the show, first of all, I had to re-record a bunch of that too, which is even fucking worse because it was shit. God, I don't even want to get into it. But that's like I had to have a fucking take on every fucking match on all three of those shows. And half of my takes, at least in my brain, and I don't know how they came out, were, oh, yeah, it was all right. And I didn't have anything else to <laughs> right, add. Right, right. So I'm just contriving shit and, and speaking off the fucking – I went on this long rant about fucking grapple-heavy wrestling that, and how it's the easiest to do. And I'm like, as I'm on that rant, I'm thinking people are going to rake me over the coals for this. But I have nothing else to say. So I have to contrive these fucking – I just hated last week's show outside of the first 15 minutes. In full disclosure. So if it sucks, I'm admitting that it sucked. And by the way, (laughs) and by the way, I had to do it all twice, which made it suck even fucking even worse than it sucked the first time around. But the point here is we don't have to review shit this week. And I feel free. And we could just talk and analyze things and get in trouble for the fucking Brit rest stuff at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, we're still gonna get in trouble. Don't worry. That will definitely happen. That will never go away. No, no, we will always find a way to get in trouble every single week. So As I said, we got plenty to go on this week. We're going to talk about the Anthem uh, purchase of Access TV. New Japan Destruction uh, has some shows coming up, so we're going to talk about that on their Destruction Tour. Uh, also, Clash of Champions, Joe, hope, having in this Sunday. Don't be Clash of Champions. I know everyone's rearing up for that preview. Is Midnight like, Express on that show? Uh, Clash of Champions, they right? are not. They taking on Ranger Ross and uh, Junkyard <laughs> Dog or something on that one? What's going on there? 
<laughs> Ranger Ross from the ceiling. I remember that was a great. Uh, was that Ranger yeah. Ross that did that? He came from the ceiling, I, right? No, All I think Clash Cobra. Champion. Didn't Cobra come? No, well, maybe he may have. I, I did Ranger, Ranger Ross never repel from the ceiling? I don't I know that he did. Swore he did. Yeah, but maybe I'm. I'm maybe I'm mixing him up with somebody else. I think. I, think yo, I don't think they were doing that. No, you could be right though. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the Clash of Champions. I went. That did was Sergeant one of the things when, Craig Pittman come down from the ceiling. <laughs> I don't think it was Craig. But I swore it was Ranger Ross, but I could. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, I would definitely. You know, 100 because they were. There was a Clash of Champions Fort Bragg uh, at Fort Bragg uh, when he was against the terrorists. <laughs> Right, which was uh, Fidel Sierra in one of his many gimmicks. The indeed, Cuban indeed. assassin, Fidel Sierra, the terrorist. And I swore he, he comes, he repels from the uh, top of the arena, uh, the, the large Fort Bragg. North Carolina arena that they came to. It was the Ritz Epps Fitness Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like 130 degrees in the building. And yeah, it was, you could just see the glistening sweat coming from everybody. Yeah. That, uh, and it was Ranger Ross, a legitimate fucking soldier in front of a crowd of soldiers against a man named a terrorist. <laughs> terrorist. Now, see. That's pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's there's I a ba- that, you know, you know? who the baby face is, and you know who the heel is. None of this shades yeah. of gray bullshit. Yeah. And it's it's cheesy and it's a little trashy. And I <laughs> and, and wrestling should be a little cheesy and a little trashy. It really should. So yeah, I, if you remember him coming from the ceiling, I'll take your word. I for it. I could be wrong, but I swear to God he came from the ceiling in this very note. But we're gonna talk about Clash of Champions, of course, preview that. Uh, and then last but not least, we're going to get ourselves in trouble talking about the Rev Pro, Josh Bonham, Shaw Samuels, referee uh, story. But before that, Joe, we do have to let people know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at MyBookie. And Joe, do you want to tell us about MyBookie? Oh, I'm telling us about my bookie, huh? I thought, see, I I slapped pause. I thought you were handling my bookie this week. I would <laughs> yeah. love to tell you about my. Well, bookie. you're the gambler, man. You know what I mean? I'm trying to learn, and I want you to sell me well, on gambling with ask, my bookie. Okay. Well, then let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. If you found a hundred dollar bill on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? I'd pick it up. Okay. Well, then, Rich, I, I know you're a big time sports fan. Absolutely. Right. And I know. You were totally on top of week one NFL, even in Iceland this week. Okay. So why do you I keep- say, well, I, you know, you, you joke, but I went to a, there was a bar yeah. uh, that was playing the games and it was like, you know, I, in Iceland too, it was great timing for those games. It was just like a nighttime. It was like, well, no, what was it? I forget it was day or night. I forget what it was, but there was like a UFC fight that was on at a weird time. But I think that was on a weird time in America. But regardless, yeah, I was, I was watching week one football, even in Iceland. I was at a bar and there was on the TV. It was great. Yeah, and I know you're a great prognosticator, so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? I would listen, I got a story. I was watching the Cowboys Giants game this week with my wife. Sherry, she comes from a family of Cowboys fans. Okay. <laughs> and it was like it was like yeah, they're nice people though. They're not like uh, <laughs> sure. I, it was worrisome when we started dating. I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. Cowboy fans, you know what I mean? But they're not uh, like it, those cowboy fans, they're just cowboy fans. They're not. Her father's okay, very good. mild mannered and a nice good. man, and he talks about you know Roger Stallback and you know. It's, oh, okay, it's that's a good, good guy. Time. That's okay, cool. Yeah, but Roger the Dodger, you know. But uh, but yeah, so we're watching this uh, Cowboys Giants game. It's fourteen nothing, and hand to God, Rich, you could ask TLB the next time you talk to her. I turned to her and I said, "Why are you even worried about that? They're going to win this game thirty-five seventeen. Okay, Giants stink. They can't cover anybody. It's going to be what's the final score, Rich? Thirty-five seventeen. So I ask again." We're great prognosticators here. Why aren't we betting? That's why I, Rich, go to my bookie. And I know that you do too. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Because let's face it, when you're betting, being paid when you win is just as important as who you're betting on. It's important to get your money. And a lot of these, uh, you know, 
a lot of these other places are shit. You, you get paid when you win with my bookie. Okay, so I wouldn't tell you to bet with them if they weren't the best. So, Rich, you need to do the smart thing. Okay, you need to, uh, if you're going to bet this football season, I know you're going to, you need to bet with my bookie. And then you know that you could do live betting on my bookie. Did you know that, Rich? I did, yeah. Or now I now I definitely know, but I, I didn't know before. But yeah, no, absolutely. You can bet after kickoff. Live betting's a big thing now, and they've got it. Okay. Yeah, halftime betting. I love that. I love kind of following that when people are like, all right, look, like you said there, where where the Giants Cowboys, like I love following people that are just like, look, I know what the score is right now, but I'm telling people it's gonna change. It's gonna go. You know that what's gonna happen. You know that X team is gonna beat Y in the in the second half and totally blow the doors off this. And that is awesome. You can great odds on that time, on those bets as well. So listen, if for some reason you had the overhyped Browns this week, okay, by halftime you could have thrown a couple bucks on the Titans and middled yourself. Absolutely, you live yeah. betting on uh, on my bookies. So if you're kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, they got parlays. Rich, you can bet the whole card and throw a dollar on it at a billion to one odds. And just try to win the whole shebang in one shot. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Did you hear me, Rich? They will double your first deposit. All you have to do to do that is use the promo code VOICES to activate that offer. That's promo code VOICES, V-O-I-C-E-S. Visit mybookie.ag right now. Use the promo code, promo code VOICES. You play, you win, you get paid. Oh, right. There you go. Double your first deposit. That's a hell of a deal. Fuck. 10 bucks. They put 20 in. That's not bad. What a cheapskate. <laughs> I'm just going to do the dollar parlays. Like you said, I want to do 10 $1 parlays. One of them's going to hit and I'm going to be a billionaire. So fuck off. You can't put that $100 bill that you're finding on the street into no, your MyBookie account. No, no, it no. Double it no. for you, man. You're right. That's not a bad deal because <laughs> if they're doubling it, that that is tempting. It is it is very tempting. I'm trying to trying to figure out how to dive into to doing a little bit more NFL betting, and this time in the tempting, especially the double deposit. Because so I'm 500 in. That's oh, that's. It's bet against the Browns. They're overhyped. I was gonna say that that's that's I, the bet against the Browns and 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 what you always say, and and I know it at my hometown as well. Uh, bet against the Bears as well because people are fucking all in on the Bears. They're like a Super Bowl favorite betting wise, and I I watch them and I'm just like not nah, yeah, not feeling it. Nah, he stinks. He's garbage. You really, can you believe the Bears were nine to one to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I, know, I was like, looking at that. I was gonna find a way to see if I could bet. My bookie doesn't do that, but uh, I can thankfully with my bookie bet against the Bears. But I was looking if there was a way to bet against the Bears because like like you know what I mean like like short the Bears hype like is there a way to do that because when they were nine to one i was like you are out of your yeah. fucking well you're not going to get nine to one after that trubisky performance no i needed tonight. it before the season yeah and, and you're not going to get the browns at 14 to one either now after what they did against the yeah. titans and Ugh. uh but but you know what we're doing here we're 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 kind of uh, i'm kind of uh we're, we're blowing one of my lead topics on the nfl intelligentsia which returns this week oh I didn't know that. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, $5 tier, the NFL Intelligentsia, critically acclaimed, breaking it all down every week. And one of my lead topics, Rich, is the overhyped Bears and the overhyped Browns, which I wrote most of that segment before week one started, okay? And because the football gods love me, they both look like dog shit. It would have been really hard to do that segment if the Browns won, like, you know, 28 to 3. But both of those teams looked awful. And right, and Trubisky to... was just throwing it off his yeah. offensive linemen's heads and couldn't throw it for <laughs> five feet. So, yeah, it's perfect. Nothing could happen better for me because now that segment is just going to look, you know, it's going to sound incredible because they both looked as awful as I think that they're – look, I don't think they're going to be all – but, you know, they looked as, as bad as I needed them to look for that segment to come off well. But, yes, the NFL Intelligentsia returns this week. 
patreon.com slash voices wrestling. November to uh, remember marches on. I just put up episode four. Um, I guess by the time people listen to this earlier this week and episode five might be out by the time you're listening to this as we transition from 1992 to 1993. And uh, Rich has something in the fucking, uh, you got a little project going. Is that, what's this thing you're doing? You're doing something with the Iceland. Something interesting. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the surprise to people, but uh, check it out. It'll be out uh, hopefully uh, maybe by the time a lot of you guys listen to this, but at least a day after uh, you guys listen to this little something, uh, something special, a little surprise for everybody who uh, has been following along with my adventures in, in various countries in Iceland and all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, stay tuned for that. It's technically still summer. It's the boys of summer. Are we put in the kibosh. Are we moving on to something else there? Yeah, I've moved on. Yeah, yeah I don't want to watch any more SummerSlams. I, uh, that's, unfortunately, I've watched three additional SummerSlams, but I just don't have the heart to record any of those so maybe i will i don't but probably not it's just, just like pick it I, up. When it, why don't you pick it up next summer slam season with where you left off exactly that's probably what i'll do but uh, there's a few other projects in the hopper as well good stuff happened at uh, patreon.com slash voice wrestling no doubts but uh okay. i do like the double dip there where the nfl intelligence you can help you on my bookie though that that's fucking that's absolutely that's synergy that's hashtag synergy right i give there. picks like every it. week that's perfect I give picks every, you know, what my best bet was this week. And I verify, I made sure that I let everybody know in the office slack. So nobody thinks I'm full of shit. My best bet this week was the Baltimore Ravens minus six and a half. Uh, you could have given Miami 49. Quite a bit more than that. So. <laughs> you know, if you listen to Joe Lanza and you go to my and double your deposit. Okay. You're in good shape here. I'm predicting Dallas Cowboys scores to the number. And uh, my best bet this week covered by uh, 50 points. So, you know, NFL Intelligentsia, $5 tier. Good stuff. All right, let's get to it here. Anthem has bought access. Here is what the press release states. Uh, it's the opening paragraph of it. Anthem Sports and Entertainment, a global multi-platform media company, today, and this was earlier in the week, September 9th, uh, announced it has acquired a majority interest in HDNet LLC, a uh, parent of the widely distributed U.S. television network Access TV and HDNet Movies, and will assume operating management of the two popular channels that cater to music, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle audiences. The deal also includes Access TV's extensive library of own programming, including wrestling, MMA, and entertainment content. There's a bunch of other kind of nuts and bolts in that press release, but that's the important part right there, that Anthem Sports, which most people know if you don't, uh, they're the company that owns Impact Wrestling. They have acquired a majority interest in Access TV. Uh, if you follow wrestling as well, you know that Access TV uh, airs New Japan Wrestling. So that will be a nice little wrinkle to this. Uh, we're going to get to that, but we had a lot to unpack with this. We'll start out with the first, and that is Impact Wrestling. Now with this, we'll be moving to Access TV. They'll be off of Pursuit. They'll move to Access. We don't know what day, what time, what the, anything of that, but we know that they obviously will no, no longer be on Pursuit. They will move to Access TV. And before we kind of get into all the other details of this, this Anthem purchase and, and the Access layoffs and everything that's kind of coming with it and all the kind of the, the repercussions and secondary things that can kind of happen from this, start at the top, Impact Wrestling, they stay alive, and they move to Access TV. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so we know that this deal was uh, it took many months to come together. We reported on it back in June, and and uh, oh no, you were wrong. No, Joe, you were so wrong. Remember? Uh, you know, it's you know people people are always telling me I'm <laughs> wrong, but it, it, you know I'm always it, always, it always feels yeah. like I'm right. I don't know, but um, we got sources. People. We got good. We have good sources, and we know what we're doing here. Like the, you know, if we if we go with you know if we say something, you know. Time yeah, to start believing listen, us sometimes. Rich doesn't want to be a news site. 
You know, he just doesn't want to do it, so we don't do it. You know, we we, we get some information. But anyway, uh, we, we did that back in June. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, $5 tier. You also get breaking news uh, updates that we uh, don't do for free on this show and, and don't put out on the Twitter. But uh, but the deal was in the works even even longer than that. We were just the first ones to, to talk about it. And at that point in time, the press release was actually drafted back in June. Uh, that's something that no one has talked about yet either. Uh, because uh, we know people who saw the press release. So that's how close the deal was was to getting done in June. And if you remember, Impact had manipulated their taping schedule based on the idea that it was going to be done and that they were going to be on Access TV at some point in the summer. Then there was a holdup. Um, that holdup, of course, um, <clears throat> uh, has been worked out now as, uh, as as the deal is official. Steve Harvey got involved somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's the best part of the press release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's Steve, as we all predicted, uh, Steve Harvey, this is the, the final uh, paragraph. I should just, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up real quick here. Uh, joining as an investor is entertainer, producer, and businessman Steve Harvey, who will also enter into a strategic agreement for content development and promotion of Anthem's portfolio of channels. Steve Harvey Global will have a seat on the board of directors of Anthem. So, yeah, of course, as we all predicted, that Steve Harvey would have like Steve Harvey is going to have a meeting where he talks about Impact Wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's why I think it's a little unfair that people are saying. Oh well, you know, Anthem couldn't find a TV station for Impact, so um, you know they they went out and bought a television station for Impact, and then laid off forty people, which we're gonna get. Listen, I think Impact is part of this, but this is obviously a much bigger business deal than simply uh, buying a television home for the 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 uh, wrestling brand that they own. So I think that analysis of it is a little bit unfair, but we'll get to the layoffs and stuff. Cause I think that's, uh, there, there, there's, you know, that's obviously um, a terrible uh, facet of the story, but yeah. So impact is going to air on axis and um, at some point, probably relatively soon. And, and this, you know, it took months and months for all this to happen. This is obviously very good for impact because, you know, there are weeks as we've talked about, ad nauseum that they're doing less than 5,000 viewers on pursuit, right? Because it's not tracking on Nielsen, which means it's sub 5,000. So they're doing anywhere from a thousand to 12,000 viewers a week on pursuit. I think the biggest number I ever saw was about 12,000. And then on Twitch, they're doing a couple thousand more. Some weeks it's like 3,500. Some weeks it's like 10,000. I think they top out, you know, eight, nine, 10,000. So basically, you know, uh, you know, being generous, there's some weeks where there's like 25,000 people watching Impact, um, you know, in, in the Impact Wrestling show on, you know, Friday nights or whatever. Now, on Axis, we, we, we saw reports that the New Japan show, the last time I saw any kind of numbers, because they do not subscribe to Nielsen, they have their own service that they use, uh, was in the low six figures. So if you figure, if Impact can even approach what New Japan is doing, obviously they're going to have there's the potential there to have, you know, 10 times as many eyes if you can if you figure they could do 100,000 viewers on on Axis if New Japan is doing, you know, 150 to 200,000 viewers if you believe those numbers. Uh, they can, you know, get 10 times as many people with their eyeballs on the product on Axis. This is no question a positive move in terms of exposure and in terms of how many people are going to be viewing Impact on a weekly basis from Pursuit and Twitch, which is as low as you can get without being 
on television or having any exposure whatsoever. And this is the first move for impact that has been a positive one in terms of going somewhere better than where they're leaving since they left Fox sports net to go to spike. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and that's, there's been kind of, there's been movement downward from, from everything. Yes. Yeah, obviously, Fox Sports Net to Spike was tremendous. It was a huge boost at the time. I mean, Fo- Spike was a huge network at the time. Like, it's kind of crazy to think of that because now it's just completely, it's not even around anymore, right? I, I don't even think Spike is, is anything anymore. It might have been rebranded as some other shit. But something else. Yeah, it's the Paramount Network though, or something yeah. stupid like that. It doesn't, it's completely irrelevant now. But at that time, it wasn't. It was a huge deal. Spike was a big channel at that time. So the move from Fox to Spike was huge. And then obviously, it went from Spike to Destination America, which was a huge downgrade. And then from Destination America to Pop, which was, again, another big downgrade. And now from then from Pop to Pursuit, which was the lowest of grades that we can talk about. I mean, that was just an absolute fucking unmitigated disaster, the Pursuit thing. And now finally, for the first time, like you said, since the Fox Sports thing, Pursuit to Access is a step up. Now, Access is a step down probably from Pop. Access is probably a step down from destination america in terms of pure like household you know amount uh, yeah pure households the amount of people that actually get the channel or whatnot but i think the one thing that is an asset for them and why i do think it's it, it's more of a positive than a negative is that access has built an audience that obviously enjoys consuming wrestling on some level some people know and, and there's a wrestling nerds that listen to this show that watch new japan on access but there are a lot of people that we know and, and we've heard from people as well that watch new japan and follow new japan solely from access yes. so access has built up an audience of people that know hey when I turn on Access, sometimes they have wrestling on it, and I like consuming wrestling on Access TV. We know that, and that's good. And that is where it benefits a lot more than even a pop TV, which was a channel that just had no relevancy for wrestling whatsoever. Right. And Destination America, kind of the same level as well. They were able to kind of keep and maintain some of their audience, but come on, it was Destination America. Like it wasn't, it, it, it just wasn't relevant to wrestling fans on any level whatsoever. And Pursuit, I mean, that's not relevant to anybody except for, I guess, like, you know, Babe Winkleman and some fucking Fishers or whoever the fuck is on that channel these days. That's a real guy, by the way. Don't do, do you know Babe Winkleman? Do you remember him? Can't say I do. Oh, he used to be on like so. I always I would watch something on Saturday mornings on ESPN back when ESPN didn't just have wall to wall like great content. And they he was a fisher and he would have a fishing show. I think it was on ESPN or ESPN two or whatever. It was awful. It was terrible. I wanted to watch something at like nine o'clock and he was on from like eight and it was just Babe Winkleman sitting in a fucking boat talking about muskies or some shit. And I hated it. And I still hate fishing. This those day. are the days Probably because when, of him. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days when ESPN in the mornings would have fishing shows and workout <laughs> shows. Right. Remember uh, what Denise Austin. Do you remember? Denise oh, absolutely. Austin? Yeah. A lot of spandex and yeah. Who was the Hispanic guy who had the show after her? He had like a, a, a like a uh, he had puffy hair. Uh, what the hell was his name? This is gonna bother me now. Um, Body by Gabriel or something like that. Or <laughs> all right, yeah, I looked it, up ESPN puffy hair Hispanic workout guy. <laughs> Let's see if this comes up. I got nothing. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep looking though if I can try to figure this. Body out. by something or or um, uh, a body's in motion. That's what Ooh, the show was called. Bodies in motion. Give me Let's that see. guy's name right now. It was all the right. Show was bodies, bodies in motion. In motion. <laughs> oh, I remember this one. Yeah, was remember it? Him uh, now? Was it Galad Jenklovitz? Galad, that's his name. <laughs> right. He he's might a, not have been. He's Hispanic. Israeli. Joe, okay, not <laughs> Rich, it was thirty years ago. Cut me a break. <laughs> right. I was a child. I don't know accents back then. Okay, so uh, yeah, by Galad was his name, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Galad uh, Jenklovitz, but I think they called him Galad. I, I yeah, believe they just called him Galad. Yeah, yeah. So his name was Galad. He had an accent. I was ten. You can <laughs> listen, okay? I so I I thought he might have been a Latino. I don't know. But then you had Denise Austin, 
and you had uh, Galad with bodies in motion. And like you said, you'd have, yeah, you'd have like fishing shows and they were the worst. You know why these fishing shows were bad? Because fishing is bad. <laughs> fishing fucking stinks. It, yeah. <laughs> so watching people fish yeah. is the only thing that actually fishing. It's watching awful. Watching a mild close-up of Babe Winkleman putting on a lure and telling me why this is the best lure to get, like, you know, muskies in November. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, just show me college basketball highlights. Like, I think I was – like, SportsCenter wasn't wall-to-wall. Like, it only came no. on at, like, certain times. That's right. So I wanted to watch, like, the 9 a.m. Center. So I'd jump in at, you know – 850 or whatever and i have to watch the last 10 minutes of fucking babe winkleman talking about his goddamn lures and i hated it yeah or galad doing stretches and jumping (laughs) jacks and shit you know that that's what espn would show that and scholastic sports america which you know they they, that seemed like that aired uh on a loop a lot of the times where it was like high school sports nonsense and it was was all that was espn programming in like the early 90s right i mean we're just nailing it but yeah so what a babe well, Denise Austin was, by the way. I'm looking up uh, Denise Austin. Right yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's she made a lot of boys mad. I'm sure. Absolutely. Mad. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, yeah. I'm sure people were jacking it to Denise Austin waiting for Sports Center. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, it was that like late '80s, early '90s too, though, with the leg warmers and like the fucking uh, the onesies that they were exercising in. Uh, but yeah, you know, she was she was a big one, but. Um, what the hell were we even talking about? I was talking about how pursuit fucking it, nobody cares about pursuit. So, right. so again, like access has built an audience that understands and, and, and watches wrestling. Like, yeah, there are your Sammy Hagar rocking, whatever the fuck world tour, whatever. And you're nothing but trailers and all that sort of stuff, but they've built a wrestling audience in some way, shape or form. So that is where for the first time in a while as well, that they're going to a channel that at least has some infrastructure or well, had, I guess we'll get to in a sex of infrastructure for wrestling. So that that is a benefit to them as well. They're not just going to another random ass channel that nobody has ever heard of. People that follow wrestling, that watch wrestling, have heard of Access, know about Access, and presumably know already if their cable network or if their cable provider has it or not. So that's another benefit as well. Other than it being a jump from Pursuit, is it's also a jump to a channel that that again has established you know wrestling content on it. Yeah, you know I'll tell you, Galad was an absolute unit. You looking at this? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, those that must have. Oh my Fucking god! Yeah, Christ of the, the the this man's back, his back alone. You know, I was watching NXT UK Cardiff uh, uh, the other day, and and um, TLB walked in during the Cesaro match, and she noted that Cesaro has a very attractive back. So there's another guy with it. I guess it's those those fucking uh, a broad back with with the muscles. Which appeals to the lady. They like those big backs. You got a big back, Rich? I don't think I do. Yeah. I, I might have to get one. Yeah, I can probably, probably make that happen if I need to. But uh, I'll ask, I'll ask uh, the nurse when she comes if she uh, if she likes. Big yeah, backs. she was into she was into the Cesaro. I got to tell you, she stuck around for that match. She liked how He's he was how he was tossing around Ilya. Like maybe he just threw him straight over the ropes. See that spot? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. She was like, wow, he's doing some impressive things. And he has a very nice back. He's a very uh, attractive man. <laughs> I was like, all right. She's into the Cesaro. All right. I can't kill her. What am I supposed to say? You know, I guess he's not a terrible looking guy. He's a good looking guy, no, right? He's a good looking dude. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a similar discussion in the house about um, uh, Tyler Bate was uh, was over with the ladies. at uh, in my, Oh, my oh Bate was. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. That's fine. Even next to Walter, where he looked like a small child. Yeah, that's fine. I think they liked, you know. They They're not Vince McMahon. They don't care that he's short. They don't give a oh, shit. I don't know. Like, Some women like tall guys. I don't know. They do, but I think he's, I mean, taller than them. I mean, every woman yeah. I know, or, you know, I'm married to a 5'2 woman. So yeah, yeah. Like, it's not hard to be taller than her. So, right, right. He's still going to be bigger than her in a picture. 
right? Like if he's got the arm exactly. around him. Right, right, right. Yeah, even if he's like 5'5 five, five or whatever it is. But yeah, no, yeah, so this is the first, this is the, you know, Impact's finally making a positive step. Even like if, like you say, this is less households than some of their previous stops, it just blows away what they were on previously. And like you're saying, there's a wrestling history on this network. Um, you know, so you're already, and even with the, the wow show as well, because the early talk, the talk in June was potentially constructing a block and putting new Japan impact and wow all on the same night. And then hoping that those Venn diagrams cross enough to where maybe a new Japan fan will check out impact. Maybe a wow fan will check out impact and vice versa. Maybe you come for impact and you stick around for wow or whatever the fuck. So yeah, there's advantages there too. Whereas on pop or destination America or pursuit. If you're coming for impact, you're leaving when impact's over. And the guy who's watching a fishing show probably isn't sticking around for impact. Right. Just a completely different audience as well. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of benefits to this access move, but uh, yeah. That, so I, I think one thing that that's interesting too is, is we've seen this a lot with impact in terms of moving TV networks, moving time slots, moving days. Like we, we always looked at, and that was a, a topic many, many years ago in the show when it would happen on an almost a yearly basis, they would move to a different time, a new, new a different day, a new network or whatever, is that you lose a lot of audience with a day changeover. And, and impact might be at a point where I don't know that they can really lose any more audiences with, with, with moving to a new network or anything like that. But, but if you're kind of, if, if you're in the boardroom or whatever, you're next to Steve Harvey, Joe, and they say, Hey, what time, should we put impact wrestling on or, or you're smart in the wrestling business and, and, and say, okay, you know, what's the best slot for impact? Do you just keep it where they're at? Do you move it to a different day? Because I mean, that, 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 that lineup is getting full. I mean, with, with, with AEW in the mix and now NXT in the mix, like what is the day that you choose? What's the day that you can kind of get away from and, and, and maybe use if you're impact wrestling. I don't think it matters because again, no matter what they do now at this point, they're going to, they're going to increase their viewership by tenfold. So um, if they can get a block going, then get a block going. I think that would be the best idea. Uh, I, I do agree with, with stacking the shows. I think, I think that would be the best approach. But look, Anthem owns the channel now. So whatever they want to do, they're going to be able to do. It, it, there, there's, there's, no, there's not any opposing forces here. I think that's important to note too. So um, you know they, they, can, they can do whatever they want. They're, they don't have to pitch a day and a time they can just pick it all right so now there's a lot of other stuff that we have to get into with this as well so now we know impact good move for them they're moving to a new network a new time slot <laughs> presumably new audiences uh, there is the matter of new japan pro wrestling on access tv and that is a big big thing that we need to talk about because new japan has not played nice with impact wrestling for many many years largely on the heels of, of, of guys like Okada and to a lesser extent Naito and Tanahashi and many others that had a, a really bad experience when they went to TNA and, and, and people may forget if you're not, if you haven't been following, you know, New Japan wrestling or, 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 or that level of, of wrestling for, for many, many years, you might not know that these two had a great relationship at a time. New Japan and TNA were, I mean, Wrestle Kingdoms were filled with TNA talent. TNA, you know, New Japan talent was going to TNA for excursions. Like there was a very, very good relationship between these two many, many moons ago. That has been to the point where, where most of the guys won't even talk about TNA at this point. Don't even want to talk about it. Okada shrugs off questions about it. We've heard internally that they just do not want to work with Impact on any level whatsoever. They just have no 
need, no desire, no, no want to. And it's even with new leadership, even with new people in charge, it's still, it doesn't matter to them. It is still the same company. It's the company that wronged so many other top guys. And if, if, you know, guys like Okada who hold a lot of power in that company, just don't want to fucking deal with them and, and, and really hold a grudge on it rightfully or, or, or wrongfully. So they're going to have to work together now at this point, access TV is now owned by Anthem. Impact Wrestling will be on Access TV. New Japan is on Access TV right now. Now, Joe, do you think these two can coexist without coexisting or without having some sort of... Like, that can't continue, right? They have to get along on some level, right? Well, here's the thing. And we heard from three different sources that the New Japan contract with Access runs until January 2021, which means another year plus at minimum that they're under contract uh, to air on Access. And, and those are independent sources too. Those are three people that I don't think regularly talk to each other. No, we, you know we what got I mean. It like two people, and then a third person popped in and said, "Yeah, those two people are right." And so, I'm I'm more than confident with what I'm being told from those three people that it's until January 2021. But the thing about this is, and I tweeted this out, and you know, Twitter is just God. I fucking know Twitter. <laughs> people will miss know. people will misunderstand anything. I mean, they really will, but. I tweeted this out, and it's like the one thing, Japan sends Axis the tape, but then Axis is in total control of the production of the New Japan Pro Wrestling on Axis show, which includes the announcers, picking the announcers, hiring the announcers, all that jazz. Axis controls the production of, of, the, of the show that they air on their network, which is the tape they get from Japan. When I said... That Axis is in control of New J- in total control of New Japan's production. I obviously meant the television show that airs on Axis. <laughs> I did not mean that Axis is, that that Anthem, Anthem is now in control road, yeah. <laughs> of New Japan's production in Japan. Idiots. But yet you'll still have morons, complete idiots on Twitter who think that who are like, well, oh, I mean, I, I, what it goes through these people's heads, Rich? I mean, you get two, they, you get two hundred eighty characters. And it's like, you can't, like, you got to be efficient to some point. You have to assume people are going to be smart enough to, but they're not. Rich, they're not smart enough. They're never smart enough. It's always some kind of misunderstanding, and you always have to clarify yourself. It's just frustrating. But my point here is, for the purposes of this show, that Anthem is now in control, effectively, of the production of New Japan Show on Axis. They can change the announcers if they want. You can very easily get Josh Matthews calling G1 matches. That could very easily happen at at the snap of Anthem's fingers. They control that. And I think that's what you're alluding to, where New Japan already has beef with Impact, right? How will they respond to Anthem if they do want to make a change and get rid of who's doing it now? Kevin Kelly and is it Kelly and... um, so it's it it really so what's been weird lately is I think that they have just been using I don't know if they've been re-recording it and and like I said I don't watch a ton of the access one because I watch all New Japan as it's happening like I DVR most right. of the, the, I don't watch the New Japan on access but I don't want to watch this and and now what's actually been almost to their detriment for me personally is that there was a while there where they were like you know what like three four months behind when they had Jim Ross and Barnett yeah. or you know those guys recorded it and I would be like. You know, I'd be like, oh, cool. You know what? I'm going to actually go back and, and, and watch, you know, this G1 match that I completely forgot about. But now they're almost solely caught up. Yeah. We're like this week, the Royal Quest show was match was on there. 
And I was like, I'm not going to watch. I just watched that like a week yeah. ago. Like, I don't need to watch that again. So I but think it's good, that what they've been. But it, but it is good that they're caught up because people who. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's gonna, you're going to lose me. Right. You're going to lose me as, as a viewer. But right. now that there are people that can watch New Japan through access. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So, so that's fine. So what I think they've been doing lately is just straight up taking whatever New Japan world has, English commentary wise, and just using that. Right. Because I don't think Kevin Kelly's got time to, in a week, re-record audio. And why would he yeah, when they're, they're already doing English commentary or whatnot? So that's kind of been the way they've been doing it. It's like, all right, cool. You guys already provide us with English commentary and video. Sweet. We'll just air it. And then we can air it on a five-day delay or a two-day delay or, or shit. Some things are airing on a one-day delay. Yeah. And, and we're good to go. And, and that's fine. That's perfect. That works for us. We don't have to re-record audio. There were G1 shows that were later that day. Right. Like hours, you know, just a few hours later. But yeah, but the point here is if Anthem wants to change that, they can. Right. There's no reason for Anthem to say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep doing that. They can say, you know, we're going to have Josh Matthews re-record all this and we're going to air it eight months later. I mean, or we're going to chop it up and and make it into a 30 minute, you know, yes, clipped audio, you know, clip show. Like, I, I don't know what that contract says. We don't see what the contract is, but beyond New Japan sending the tape to access. I'm of the mind, or I'm of the idea that Access really before was able to just kind of do whatever they wanted with that. I like I don't like I don't know. Do they have to show? No, they are. They they control the production. That's that's what I mean. So there's yeah. there's a case that can be made that that Anthem might say, oh cool, you know, we could use a 30 minutes, you know, New Japan show in between Impact and and Wow, or like they could do that. Like the idea that yes, like everything is just going to be business as usual, and that's what we saw a lot of. It's like well, all Access does is play Kevin Kelly. They just play the New Japan world, like oh, that's yes, what they did in the old world, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But now they're owned by a different company that might have which, different ideas, which is a good transition. Which is a good transition because the people who were making those decisions to just run those tapes are now fired. They've right. been laid off. And Anthem has purchased Axis and they laid off the entire Dallas office. So, and a lot of the people in that Dallas office were the people who were making those production decisions for New Japan and other, and, you know, other programming on the channel as well. And a lot of those people who were laid off were uh, very important people in terms of, 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 Backing and supporting having wrestling on access through the years, whether it going all the way back to the ROH days in 2009 when it was HDNet. Okay. Uh, access has had ROH. They obviously used to have, uh, you know, mixed martial arts, Japanese promotions like, uh, like Dream and whatnot um, in those days through today, where, you know, they have obviously New Japan Pro Wrestling and WoW and, 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 all of those people from the Dallas office who have been supportive of wrestling and were making these production decisions and whatnot for the wrestling programming are now looking for work because this is just one of those deals where it's a, you know, a corporate buyout and you're not going to keep two of everyone in the positions and you're going to get rid of, you're going to keep your people and you're going to get rid of the people you're inheriting more often than not in those scenarios. And unfortunately all of those people lost their jobs and a lot of those people were, key contacts for people in the wrestling media world and everything else. And um, yeah, and it's unfortunate. It's a shit storm. And um, you know, it's one of the byproducts of, of sort of these corporate um, buyout takeovers, whatever you want to call them is, is <laughs> people become, it becomes redundant. You don't need to have two of every position. So the old people are out, the new people are in, and we don't know what that means in terms of the future of wrestling on Axis beyond uh, obviously Impact is going to be safe because Anthem owns Impact and the network. So I mean that that that's not in dispute. Maybe they don't want New Japan. We don't know if they even want New Japan. Now you would think that they would. You'd think that you'd want some. You know, like I said, you know, 
you think you'd want a whole block and uh, a whole night devoted to wrestling. It just makes sense. But we don't know. This kind of is the unknown. And when the deal first went down, I thought all of this would be great. Not only it's obviously great for Impact Wrestling in a vacuum. This deal is awesome for Impact Wrestling. I thought it would be great for all of wrestling, though, because all right, great, we have another uh, you know uh, wrestling promotion that, that that shares an ownership interest with the network that they're on, and there's already wrestling up. But now I'm not so sure. I mean, they they, they laid off all of these people who were great supporters of pro wrestling. And I don't know how Anthem is going to handle it. They did the same thing when they bought Fight Network and laid off all of those people. So what's your take on that? Do you think that they are going to uh, – because, listen, Axis was firmly behind New Japan and WoW. Rich, we can't wake up without 19 emails from Axis uh, from the press side of that company with something to do with New Japan and WoW on a daily basis. You know that. Well, absolutely, yeah. So, Whether it's pictures, videos, news releases, press releases. On this press call, here's some pictures you can use. Here's yeah. an early, here's an early version of the show. Here's a link if your if your people don't get access, they can watch the show. I mean, they do. They you well, they they used to do a trip. Yeah, we all have to use past tense here because I mean, because we don't know now. I mean, because all of those people are or a lot of those people are no longer with the company. But Axis treated us. And other, uh, you know, media outlets just tremendously over the years. I mean, uh, to the point of, you know, you couldn't, you know, like I said, multiple emails a day. All that. I mean, so they were firmly behind wrestling and their wrestling products. We don't know what's going to happen now with Anthem Beyond Impact. You know, maybe they let that New Japan deal run out. Maybe there is bad blood there. Or maybe it, it continues to work out the way it has. What do you, you think about all that? Yeah, no, it's it's it's. To me, yeah, I had the initial kind of timeline that you had of, of when initially the news came out. I said, this is great. Access is awesome. Like, that's a, a great partner to have for Impact Wrestling. If 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 the backbone of Access, which yeah, we've seen, we've seen the backbone there. We've seen that they've they've in a lot of ways grown that that New Japan on Access. I mean, there was times where they weren't getting those numbers and they've grown and they've they've you know put some muscle behind it. They put some promotion behind it and they got to the point where that New Japan on Access is a big show. It's a big time show. In the wrestling world, no, is it doing numbers on the same level that 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 AEW is going to do or that WWE is doing on a weekly basis? No, but it was doing pretty solid numbers, like very, like surprisingly good numbers. I mean, in our circles, like we said, not a lot of people watch it, but we heard from a lot of people independently that only follow New Japan through Access. I have friends that only watch it through Access. Like the, it, it, there are casual fans who only watched New Japan on Access and 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 really did get involved in it, and 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 that's cool. And the, and a lot of that is because. Access did a great job of promoting it, a great job of, of, of building, you know, grassroots campaigns in terms of stuff, doing emails, blasts, doing social media stuff, like all that sort of stuff was really good. And so when I had the idea of like, oh, cool, Impact is going to Access, well, that's great. Like, you know, they have that backbone now to promote Impact. But then when we saw that, okay, this guy's gone. Okay, she's gone. All right, he's gone too. Oh, she, okay. Oh, oh, the whole Dallas office is gone. Like, it was kind of one by one where we're like, ooh. Ooh, that's a big blow. Oh, that's not good. Or, oh, shit, that guy too. Oh, oh, the whole office is gone. Okay, well, now I'm at the point where, we're, you know, as of this recording, you know, we did this two days ago. I would have said, this is a great deal. I can't wait to, to see what happens. But now I'm really wondering, okay, look, everything that was great about Access, everything that Access gave you, all the advantages that Access came with, a lot of that has been lost now by laying off a lot of that support staff. And Anthem runs very lean operations. We know that from Impact. We know that from when they bought the Fight Network is that they're very, very, very lean. They make these deals and they acquire a lot of debt when they make these deals. And by proxy, and, and you can go do, do research about you know these sort of deals or whatnot, 
what you have to do is when you make a deal with a shit ton of debt like this is you gotta cut a lot of you know <laughs> staff you have to just get as lean as humanly possible and that's what anthem has always done with their different properties that they bought and that is a concern to me is like okay look what made access great was a lot of those people that supported the wrestling on the network that really wanted that wrestling to succeed and wanted those properties to succeed well if a lot of those people are gone and it's not that anthem doesn't want impact to succeed on access but do they have the muscle do they have the power do they have the smarts to promote it at that level that the people before them were doing it i don't know that they do and that's got me a little worried right now is like okay look everything that i thought the benefit of access was to to impact a lot of that has been lost. There is still the benefit that most people on the outside just know, oh, Access TV, oh, they show wrestling. Like, that's good. That is the benefit, of course, of moving to Access, but losing a lot of that promotion, losing a lot of that PR, losing a lot of those kind of back-end people, the, the wheelers and the dealers, the people that are really promoting it, that is going to be an issue for, for, for Impact on there. And the fact that they're running very lean operations as well has me a little worried of, of, of okay, yeah, you're on a better network, but what's you know what's next what's where what's the growth plan for impact on access or is it just a place to put access or a place to put impact well you know while you run it it's just that's where my question is right now where i've changed a few days you know with, with these news kind of progressing and, and and us learning a little bit more about it I'm, I'm more worried than i was two days ago about it who's to say that you know steve harvey and anthem uh don't get in the room and decide you know we have a wrestling uh, we already have a wrestling property, Impact Wrestling. Do we really need three wrestling properties? We don't know what their direction for access is going to be. They can completely change the direction of, of the network. And they might decide, if we already have our own wrestling property, why are we dealing with these other two wrestling properties? Why do we want, maybe we want to emphasize our own. So again, we don't know what direction this is going to take. And, it, and, and, and I'm with you. Once they laid off the Dallas office, I felt very uneasy about the whole thing in regards to New Japan and WOW. Uh, they may stay firmly committed to both, and they may see the benefit of that. They may decide that it's full steam ahead with Impact, and we're going to build all kinds of new programming around Impact. Uh, that isn't pro wrestling, because we only need two hours of pro wrestling on our network per week. Nobody knows. And we're just going to have to let it play out and see. I, I, I do wonder as well, and I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of people talk about this. So I'm kind of curious um, if, if you've heard anything or have any thoughts on this. But, you know, Access TV obviously used to be HDNet. Do they yeah. still, what's the rights of the old ROH shows on HDNet? You know, I thought I saw something today that said Anthem owns that now, mm. which would be wild. It's <laughs> nuts. Now, I don't know. Listen. I'm not, I don't even remember. I don't, yeah, again, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have nothing on this for sure. I was just kind of a thought that I had. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I wonder who. Do you know off the top of your head if ROH on any of their DVDs or Blu-rays or anything uses the HDNet footage? That's a or... good, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Because um... that would answer the question right there. Yeah, let's look for a, what, what, what are the HDNet years off the top of your head? 09 like? to like 011 or something like that. Okay, let's see. I'll do a compilation here. Look at uh, current Impact Wrestling compilations. You know, yeah, let's I mean, see. Best of the Briscoes. That'll have something there. Let's see. Two disc DVD. Ah, they don't list the matches on the DVD. Thanks oh, a lot. Of course, why would they? Oh, thanks a lot. I'm going to buy anything. the fucking DVD. I have no idea what's even on it, you idiots. God. Ridiculous. <laughs> Hopefully, Amazon has the match lists. 
All right, they don't either. So I don't know. I have no fucking. And story. that's the um, thing. You know what? <laughs> simply looking at the years of the matches won't work either because we're talking about matches that specifically aired on HD Nets. Right, right, right. So okay. that might not even help yeah. you anyway. Yeah, it's hard um, to say for sure. But if they own that, that would certainly be a plot twist. If Impact owns the ROH on HD Net hour-long shows that aired for two or three years. Um, but again, I don't have any confirmation or, or to that or, or, or know for certain if that's true. Um, but yeah, that, that would be something else. I don't know. All right. So uh, anything else on uh, this topic? No, I think it's a story that we'll probably be talking about again over the next couple of weeks as, as all of this shifts and change changes. Um, you know, we have to. We, we still don't even have any confirmation of Impact airing on Axis yet, as we record this, right? I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I think it's just always been kind of assumed that that's the next step, and, uh, and they will. Happen, but, but... You know, I'm saying they haven't announced anything yet. Right, so right. We don't yeah. even know day of the week, or so there's 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 more coming down the line uh, with this story. But um, yeah, it just sucks that all those people got laid off. But that's kind of how it goes, too. I mean, I hadn't even thought about it or considered it, but it didn't shock me when it, when it, when it started to happen. I mean, that's just how these corporate takeovers operate. Um, but yeah, a lot of what, what's relevant to our listeners is it was a lot of wrestling friendly executives that are no longer with the company. Right. All right, let's get to, uh, we're speaking of new Japan, uh, new Japan's destruction shows. There's two coming up here, uh, September 15th, uh, the destruction in Bipu and also uh, destruction in Kagoshima that we're going to have to talk about September 16th. So two back-to-back new Japan shows, uh, coming up this weekend. Let's preview those real quick. We'll start out with the Bipu show. We have a uh, preview up on the website right now, uh, voice wrestling.com. If you want to read about that, uh, John and Gerard, uh, did the preview there, but, uh, Joe, we'll talk about it. We'll start at the top here. Uh, rev pro British heavyweight championship, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., I believe their 28th match this year. Uh, are you still excited about Tanahashi and Sabre, or are you starting to get a little tired of it? No, I've look, I've never loved those matches. I talked about that at length last week. At least I think I did. I don't know what made the fucking show and what didn't after I did. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you did express your uh, your discontent for, for that match. So, But you're getting it again, so too bad. I'm getting it again, yeah. So I don't know. It's good for Tanahashi because he doesn't want to bump a lot right now, and it's a style of match where he can roll around on the mat um, you know, grappling fetishists can fucking, you know, get their rocks <laughs> off on it. But I, I don't know. I, these guys, these guys, it's just this particular matchup bores me. And, um, since I talked about it really at length last week, I'll let you talk about a little, what, you know, are you excited about this? Or? I'm not, I, I just really can't. Yeah. It, it's, I, I've liked some of their matches better than you have, but I'm just at a point now where I'm like, I, I don't know that I can get excited about this again. You know, like, New Japan does this. They, I talked about this, I think, last week too. I don't know if this part made it either, but they will take a matchup and and over the course of a calendar year, just pound it into the fucking ground. And the advantage to that is they don't burn through their matchups as quickly as some other promotions do. The disadvantage is by the time September and October roll around, you get a match like this and you just have no fucking excitement or interest in seeing it again. Right, you're just dead. It, it, it just, yeah, you, you got nothing for it anymore. And, and that's where I'm at with this one. I mean, I hope it's good. I It might be good. I don't know. It's just, they're trying to make this an epic. Like you said, they're trying to make this a big series, an epic, a thing like that. It's just, for me, it's not clicking. Maybe for some other people it is. But yeah, I, I, I'm ready for these two guys to be doing something else. 
uh, apart from each other. But like you said, there, there's a benefit to having Tanahashi in these types of matches, and Sabre's getting a good rub by being with Tanahashi in these matches, but I'm just not excited about these matches. I'm not entertained by these matches anymore. So it's hard to get super excited about those. So, yeah, so I mean, unfortunately... Sabre's a main eventer, because you yeah. know, and he, and he's working with Tanahashi. And smart people understood when he went on that New Japan Cup run last year that that was an elevation into the main events. Some people still insisted that it wasn't going to amount to anything, and here we are. The guys working main events with Hiroshi Tanahashi all year long. So it's like, um, yeah. So it's good for Sabre, and it's good for Tanahashi's body. Either man can win this match. Obviously, it doesn't make a difference. Um, you know who wins? I think Saber probably wins the title back. Right? I mean, if I had to pick, what do you think? Who do you think is winning? I, I think Saber wins it back. Uh, yeah, seems like the most likely scenario given that you know it's obviously the Rev Pro title. You probably want it back on a guy like Saber, but Rev Pro and New Japan, the, the relationship is so close. Like we've said, that you can't really predict. Like, oh, this is a way to get the title off of Tanahashi because it's just as likely Tanahashi will show up. You know, for a Rev Pro UK show right. as Zack Saber Jr. at this point too. So it's not like you can definitively say, "Oh, well, Saber's got to win it back because it's got to go back to the UK." Like, no, nah, I mean, Tanahashi could go to the UK, or Rev Pro can just say, "Ah, we don't really care. Like, we're fine with our title being yeah. defended in the main event, you know, of a big time New Japan show." So it's 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 one of those weird relationships that, that that they've sort of developed where I don't have a good read on it much anymore. And and because these guys have wrestled so many times back and forth and the titles bounce back and forth or whatnot, it's hard to get an exact, like, I feel like it's almost like a 50-50. Like, I don't, you know, watching the stuff and watching the build, I don't feel like I can definitively say, oh, it's definitely going to be Zack Sabre. It's definitely going to be Tanahashi. It's kind of a coin toss. And it doesn't matter. You can really just flip a coin. It doesn't make sure. a difference who wins uh this oh this matters joe iwgb tag team titles the gorillas of destiny defending against yoshihashi and tomohiro ishii is big time Ishii gonna do it look it's the only time that yoshihashi is good or interesting is when he's teaming with ishii because they have like that Tell me how big, that works yeah <laughs> they have that big brother little brother dynamic and it's like his little buddy uh you know yoshihashi and yoshihashi has still never won a new japan title which is incredible because they have like eight or nine titles and you know basically everyone has held a title at this point with the exception of what like chase owens and yoshihashi and that's about it excluding the young lions you know eventually you win that dopey six-man title i mean that's inevitable you know so it's like yoshihashi has never held a title which for a guy that's been around as long as he has is pretty fucking wild so I don't know. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they win this. And of course, the, 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 the thing here is Ishii is annoyed because Gorillas of Destiny cost him the never title. That's the backstory to this. So there's a little story there. Even if Yoshihashi and Ishii haven't been racking up tag wins to earn this one, that's the story behind it. So... I don't know. I'm more interested in this match than the main event, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just seeing Yoshihashi in this moment. And, and you know, Ishii's the, the greatest. And, yeah, like you said, they have a nice little, like, yeah, big brother, little brother thing. And, and, and yeah, it's it's I'm fascinated in this because there's an opportunity for a, a pretty new, fresh-ish team to get into the, the IGB GP title, you know, tag team title mix. And that's awesome because those titles are so stagnant, so boring at this point. So, And maybe that's Ishii's direction now that, you know, Kenta won the Never title. So who knows? I mean, look, I don't think, I think Gorillas of Destiny aren't, I mean, gun to my head, I think they're winning the match, but it wouldn't stun me if Ishii and Yoshiashi won and then feuded with these guys through the end of the year, through the World Tag League and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome, though. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want, I want Ishii and Yoshiashi. I hope it happens. And, and hey, it's very likely to happen. See, I yeah. hope Yoshihashi never wins a title. 
I would like, I prefer that. I hope he, like, you always joke about Goto being a geek. Like Yoshihashi's. Oh no, guy. he's he's a real geek. Yeah, the, like, the one the, the the Goto stuff isn't jest. It's just kind of like right. ah yeah. He's like, but no, Yoshihashi is legitimately a fucking dork. So so wouldn't it be cooler if he's like hey, what uh, what a name a bag of socks right? <laughs> yeah, he called him a, a yeah yeah exactly a bag of socks right, and that's exactly what he is. You know, and it's like <laughs> fucking bag of socks. Bag of it's a it's it's it, perfect. It makes no, just a bit, it makes in no your sense. Mind, what is yet this it bag? makes sense. Uh, like, what, is this a burlap sack of, of bags? You know is what I a... picture? No, you know what I picture? Like a hefty trash bag full of socks. <laughs> okay, so you have a hefty, yeah, in my mind, I have one of those, like, mesh bags. You know, like, it would be, say you're yeah. doing laundry or like something like that. You got to, yeah, yeah. So kind of that laundry. So it's, <laughs> and, and that is filled with socks. And it's kind of stinks. And it's just kind of like, yep. it's only socks some reason or somehow. They're so. dirty socks. They have, like, the, the black stains on the bottom from walking around outside in them. Like they're nasty socks too. That's what Yoshihashi is. He's a bag of socks, and I would prefer that he's like forty-eight years old and having his retirement show and has still never won a title. I would prefer that, but we'll see. All right. So then, other matches we have here: we have Naito and Evil versus Jay White and Chase Owens. What do you think about that one? Obviously, building to stuff going on later in this Destruction Tour, but uh, pretty pretty interesting feud right now between Naito and, and White. So I'm pretty interested in that. But uh, yeah, man, I can't imagine who's going to take the pinfall that match. It's it's really uh, yeah. Who Naito, Evil, Jay White, and Chase Owens? Man, I I'm at a loss, Joe. Who's going to take that fall? Well, I mean, you think at some point White will beat Naito, or do, do they not? Maybe they don't do that. Maybe. I don't know, but is I think just Chase Owens is beaten by Evil and, and Jay White and Naito just scream at each other, and that's you know White will have a better partner if he ever beats Naito in a tag than, than Owens. But yeah, that'll be all right. You know, the rest of the card really is just a bunch of tags, and then you have the long Young Lion Cup stuff. So, uh, you know, maybe that'll be you know it'll probably be a match that tops out at like three and a half or something, and then you're very lucky if it's better than that. All right, so other stuff here. We'll go quickly and then get to the uh, the next Shogo, the Kagoshima one. But uh, you got Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero versus Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. Uh, obviously, just building up the Sonata-Okada feud between those two. Uh, any thoughts on that one or just move on? No, just blow through these tags and we'll talk about the Young Lion couple. Yeah, there's nothing going here. Kota Bushi, Togi Makabe, Hanma, Osprey, and Robbie Eagles. Ooh, a lot in there. Uh, versus Kenta, Bad Luck Follow, Yudro. Taiji Shimori and El Fantasmo. Uh, Drew Stutter Liger, Yo and Show versus Minoru Suzuki, Kanemoro, and Duki. He's back. He's back. You know, they took him off the roster page, which is interesting. And then the next tour, he's back. So I don't know what's going on with that. But look, he's fine. If he's going to come in on these tours and be the pin eater in six-man tags, I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, no, I'm fine with it, too. He's perfect, like, roster fodder guy. Like, I don't want to see him in singles matches. I don't want him winning titles. But if he's just a dude that goes in there and he's the third guy on the team or the fourth guy on the team and he takes a fall, it's fine. It's a good role for him. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Nagata, Taguchi, Ren Narita, and Iwamura versus Nakanishi, Hanare, Clark Connors, and Michael Richards. Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Richards. I'm never going to get over that. I really, really wish they would just give him a different name, even though I that's a shoot name, I'm sure. And 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 it's unfortunate, but he just really should come up with a different name because I just I can't think of Michael Richards seriously. Without no. You, you, you picture him busting through Jerry's door. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, they should almost just do that gimmick. If your name's going to be Michael Richards, you might as well just do that gimmick. Yeah, he should slide through the entrance ramp. Yeah, it'd be great. And, just like a little subtle stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be like Kramer all the way, but yeah, just a little slide would be nice. Yeah. shocked all the time and yeah. get an endorsement with Kenny Rogers Roasters. And, you know. <laughs> There's money there. Definitely <laughs> some money there. But, you know, people are saying, Rich, not to quote our president, a lot of people are saying, no, but people are saying, Rich, that these Young Lion tag matches have been good on this tour. 
I can't verify that because I've only watched the Young Lion Cup matches. So those are the matches they're referring to. So, you know, maybe that one will be decent. All right. And then we have two Young Lion Cup matches. I know you want to talk about this a little bit. You have Shota Umino versus Alex Coughlin. And then you have Suji versus Carl Fredericks. Yota Suji, Carl Fredericks. So you have watched some of the Young Lion Cup. What has been your thoughts so far? I've watched all of the matches. Now. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Young Lion Cup connoisseur. Yeah, I have not watched any. So you got to. Uh... They're awesome. Listen, they're all like six minutes long, first of all. So cool. you're in and you're out. I'm in. And they're just fucking intense and hard hitting and well worked. And they're exactly what you think they would be. And everybody has looked good. It's been a shit ton of fun. The last time they did this, they had a lot of them on like those, uh, the, uh, what are those shows they don't do? Anymore? The Lionsgate, the Lionsgate projects. Yeah. Was... yeah whatever happened to the Lionsgate show? I don't know. That was awesome. Yeah, I love the Lionsgate show. You had Daisuke Sakamoto showing up sometime. You had like random indie dudes. Yeah. What the fuck happened to Lionsgate? They just like went away and nobody said anything ever about it. I didn't. Yeah. I have literally never thought about Lionsgate until you just mentioned it right there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Those things are great. Yeah. And last year's tournament, a lot of it was on Lionsgate and that, you know, that first ring with 200 people there. And it was kind of a dead atmosphere. This time around, and, and those were good matches, don't get me wrong, but now you've got the good matches, but in front of crowds that are into it, you know, and bigger crowds, more importantly, bigger crowds. I guess I shouldn't bury the crowd at, uh, at first ring, but the crowds are bigger now, and, they're, and it's just a much better atmosphere for the tournament, and all the matches have been a shit ton of fun, and the guys who you think are standing out are the ones that are standing out, and, um, and none of them are bad. I'm keeping a close eye on Yota Suji, though, because I do think he's a little bit behind the others. So he's the guy I've been keeping my eye on. And, um, you know, the one or two matches I've seen, he's looked okay. You know, and your guys like Shota Aminu and Carl Fredericks, he's had like three matches already. And um, and Narita, you know, obviously have looked great. Coughlin. And Michael Richards, he doesn't have a great look, but I like that he's he works with a real intensity. He's the guy from the Fale Dojo. That's the other thing about this, Rich. New Japan at this point, they're holding a Young Lion Cup with Young Lions from three different dojos on three different continents. Think about that. That's good. It's a good pipeline. You know, it's like they're all being trained by different people, but all all being trained by people who are, you know, you've got uh, Shibata and, and with a little bit of Kenta and Goto, I'm sure, in the LA dojo. And then, of course, you know, the guys from the, 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 the you know, the, the Japanese, the, the New Japan Dojo, of course, uh, you know, working under guys like, I guess, Yuji Nagata, I guess, no more Kushida, but uh, Nagata and I think uh, Liger and I think, doesn't Taguchi have a hand in that? I think Taguchi has a hand in that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, at some level. Yeah, Nagata being the top guy, but then uh, pretty much all those guys having, you know, all the top, top tier veteran dudes having some. Yeah. And then Australia, you got the wheel man, Tony Kazina, working with the guys down there. <laughs> which I'll never get over. <laughs> fucking totally bizarre. But again, you've got three different dojos supplying talent to this tournament, and then they're all coming together. And Richards, again, he doesn't have a great look. I think he could work on the body a little bit, but he works with a good intensity, and there's good snap to his work, so I've been impressed with him. He worked those Australian shows, too, uh, you know, uh, a couple of months ago when they did that swing in Australia. But yeah, Young Lion Cup, don't feel intimidated if you haven't seen it or if you've fallen behind because the matches are all in and out. Uh, they're all under 10 minutes, and they're all good, solid watches. I haven't watched anything off the tour except the Young Lion Cup matches. 
That's good. I'm definitely going to check those. I did want to make one correction because people are probably going to be in our Twitter mentions already. You were saying uh, first ring, it's actually Shinjoku face. Oh, Shinjoku face. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, the, the pre elitists will get very upset that you they will get upset. first ring <laughs> Shinjuku face. But uh, yeah, so as far as I, I guess we should chime in here with the, uh, the, the all caps too. It's right. Of course. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Shinjuku face. Because that's the thing. Like when if I go to Japan, like that's the one thing where people are like, oh, you, you know, you go to exotic places. You should go to Japan. But like I go to exotic places with my wife. Like, if we went to Japan, like her idea of a Japanese vacation and my idea of a Japanese vacation yeah. is very different. Hers involves, you know, nice outdoors things, big, you know, the cherry blossoms and Tokyo and all that sort of stuff. And mine is like going to the seventh floor of Shinjoku face and watching, you know, kind of sort of Takuma in a yeah. Lionsgate match. Like, that's what I want. And that's probably not what she wants. So it's like this thing where, yes, it would be ideal that I would go there, but like, yeah, there's there's the way that we want to approach a uh, Japanese vacation is probably be a little different because I want to be indoors watching wrestling all day every yeah. day, but uh, probably not the same for her. But uh, chime in here with the Young Lions Cup here. This is the uh, current standings uh, as we kind of preview these shows. Uh, Alex Coughlin, Carl Frederick, Shota Umino, Ren Narita, Clark Connors all tied at the top for four points. Uh, Yota Suji at two points. Michael Richards at two points. And Yua Uemura uh, at zero points so far as well. But plenty of uh, tournament left to go for those guys. So. Yumora looks great. I mean, I, that's the guy that I'm falling in love with. Um, everybody knows about Umino uh, 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 and, and Narita and Carl Fredericks at this point, right? And by this point, Clark Connors is 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 uh, picking up steam with it because Connors apparently had the great match with TJP in the first round of the uh, of uh, Super J Cup, which also finally is on New Japan World now. But Yumora is the guy I think is the one that's uh, just not talked about enough. I mean, he's he. I, I think they've got something with him. All right, so now we'll move on to the next show here. This is going on the 16th, so back-to-back days here. This is the Kagoshima Destruction Show. Uh, at the top, match that I cannot wait for, Kotobushi versus Kenta. Uh, Bushi's Wrestle Kingdom title challenge is on the line. Joe, is Kenta going to Wrestle Kingdom? He's going to the Dome. Probably. Well, let me ask you something. Why would you beat Kenta at this point? And they almost have to beat him, right? You're right. Because I don't. Something's up here. Because, okay, there's all this talk of the mini tournament in the, over the two nights of the dome and Abushi and Naito and everybody talking about winning both titles and everything. And so we really don't even know how that's all going to work out and who's going to face who and if they're going to go through with that. And you have Kenta in this match, who it would be a really bad idea, in my opinion to beat him this quickly. So, this is a really weird match to me. And since what's going on at the Dome is like up in the air, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this match. Maybe they do throw some kind of weird curveball here, right? And then still have Abushi find his way into the mix over the... This is just weird to me. It, it will be weird to me if Kota Abushi just hits that Kamagoye in the center of the ring and pins Kenta. It kind of takes a lot of steam off of Kenta. Right? Isn't this weird, a weird match to have? It is strange because, yeah, he's got so much momentum right now, Kenta, and and, and there's so much going well for him so far in New Japan. I mean, the, the, you know, maybe it's the, you know, the, 
whatever was going on at the Royal Quest, you know, maybe his headspace isn't quite there, but but like they have done a great job with him, I, I, I think, in terms of building him up as a character, using, you know, utilizing the crowd reaction to him, utilizing a lot of real life thoughts that people have for Kenta and, and, and you're leveraging that into his new character and moving him over to the Bullet Club and making him, you know, that badass and building the things up with Shabbat and doing all that sort of stuff. And you're right, it does seem kind of productive to have Kotobushi just go in there and yeah, it's going to be a back and forth match, like Kenta will have some hope spots, but at the end of the day, do you really want Kenta just eating a Kamagoya and getting pinned in the middle of the ring? You probably don't. And it's weird because Kotobushi is the guy that I think you can have him lose a bunch of times and he just kind of wins, you know, once or twice and then he's back there in the title picture. He, he's he's the guy that almost doesn't lose anything from losing. Whereas Kenta, it does feel like that aura gets really lost if Kotobushi just goes out there and proves, no, 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 I'm a higher level above you. I'm going to go off to Wrestle Kingdom and, and fight for the championship and, and you're just Kenta and, and you know, you got to wait your turn. It's just, that seems a little weird right now. So I'm with you. It's, it's, it's definitely strange. And because Russell Kingdom is under so much, you know, in, in, in prior years, we would know for a fact, okay, Kotobushi is not losing this. He's definitely going to face Okada in the main event of uh, Russell Kingdom. But now with the two days, the title tournament, all titles on the line, all that sort of bullshit, like there is more question for like, okay, is this the time when you have Kenta, you win the right to win it, and then he goes on and defends it, and maybe loses it another time later. Is is that the time that you do it? Is Kotobushi the right guy to lose the briefcase? You know, of all the guys that could do it, I I, I don't know. Like I, I'm at a weird place here, and they've almost booked themselves in this weird corner where I can't see either guy losing, but somebody has to win. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I mean, I think the the, the easy bet would be that Kotobushi just beats Kenta, but I don't know. There's some problems with that too, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think Ibushi's gonna win. I just think it's. Uh, it's it's weird timing to have this match. I don't know, um, and and it does raise my eyebrow a little. That may be something. Because this is uncharted territory, Rich, with the two domes and how they're going to handle that. So, I right, move on here. Some other matches. Oh, sorry, you bro- you broke up there for a sec. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying it was. It's definitely interesting from the perspective of neither guy can really afford the loss, but one of them has to. That's all. All right, some other stuff on this show. We have a junior heavyweight tag team title match. We have El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori versus, I'm sure, your your new favorite team in the world, Joe, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles. What do you think about the Birds of Prey? Well, they had great chemistry at Royal Quest. So, uh, and obviously that's what set up this match. And I hope they win. Yeah, I hope so too. I really do. They're, they're a hot team right now and, and go with it, man. Just keep running it. And it's a good way to kind of keep Ospreay you know, yeah. away from some big picture stuff. And it's a great way to get Eagles a title and stuff. And hell, fucking who cares? It's these junior tag team titles. Like they can get bounced around a bunch of times. And, and Phantasmo is kind of a, a, in, you know, the way he plays his character, he can easily take this fall. And I don't think they, that team loses anything because he's kind of, he's, he's, he's being pushed, but he's also a guy that's kind of like in character, a dork, you, you know? Yes. So it's like he can lose and, and, and throw a hissy fit or whatever. And it's like perfectly fine. Like that's the way I would do it is have, you know, probably Eagles pin Phantasmo and, and, and that big moment. I'm sure Osprey would probably prefer that to happen as well, where Eagles pins Phantasmo and that's how that team wins the title. And I think it'd be a great idea right now to have those guys. And again, it adds another team to the mix, a new team to that mix of a, of, of a tag division that sometimes gets kind of stale. So, so I'm all in on that. And they've got the same group of guys battling over both junior belts, which is something a little different too. That's not normally what they do. So right. it feels different also because Phantasmo and Will Ospreay have this rivalry and it's over the singles title. It's over the tag titles now. It was Super J Cup. So that feels a little different too. And I, and I like that. 
All right, some other matches here. I'll kind of run through these real quick. We have Naito and Evil versus Jay White and Yujiro Takahashi. Again, I have no idea who's going to take the pinfall there. It's uh, tough to figure out who's going to lose that one, but there you go. Uh, Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero versus Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. Very similar to the... Uh, actually, is that the exact same... Yeah, I think it's the exact yeah, same match on both nights. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Lovely. I can't wait to watch that uh, back-to-back. Uh, then you have Tanahashi, Makabe, Hanma, and Liger versus Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, Kanemaru, and Duki. Uh, then you have Ishii, Yoshihashi, Yo, and Sho versus Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Bad Luck Folly, and Chase Owens. And then you have Yuji Nagata, Rusuke Taguchi, Shota Umino, uh, uh, Yotasuji, Minabu Nakanishi, Tomo Hanari, Carl Fredericks, and Alex Coughlin. And then the big two matches here that we're going to talk about here. Well, big two in our world, maybe not for everybody else. Uh, Young Lion Cup, Ren Narita versus Michael Richards and Yuya Uemura versus Clark Connors. God damn, I can't wait for Uemura versus Clark Connors. Well, that sounds fucking great. I want to see them to see the size comparison because we know that they think Connors is a junior. We know that because he was in the Super J Cup. So it'll give us a good idea of Uemura's size and maybe what it... Because sometimes it's hard to tell with the Young Lions where they're going to be slotted. There's some of the times they're young, they're still going to put some meat on, and we don't know whether they consider them juniors or, or heavyweights. So that'll be interesting from that respect. And then whoever, they have two tournament matches every night, and then whoever aren't in the tournament matches are in match number three, which is usually a big eight-man tag with the, uh, with the dads. So, you know, that, that's sort of been the structure of the entire tour. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I should now catch up on those now that you've mentioned it. If they're only 10 minutes long and there's not really a ton of investment, I should before these, you know, before the 15th, really get in there and watch uh, as many of those as I can, uh, Young Lion matches, because they're good stuff. And and I, I think this crop is, is really interesting and really fun. And like you said, the idea that, you know, you have four guys from what the New Japan Dojo, three from the LA Dojo, one from the Fowley Dojo. The, the idea, I love that. I mean, God, like we, we love the development of wrestlers and the idea that like you have an LA camp a Japan camp and like you know, an Oceania camp and they're they're being taught the same principles but by different people. I love that shit. Like that's great. Yeah. That's how you train wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that yeah. is how you do it. Is you let people develop differently but under the same principles in a lot of ways. And that's that's how you get really good stuff. So so they know the basics, they know the overalls, but at least they they appear different. Like Carl Fredericks and Renderita don't wrestle exactly the same, but they wrestle under some of the same principles. And that got it. It's it's super nerd shit, but god damn it, that's what we're here for. So. And you know when they send these guys on excursions now, if they send them to the United States or they send them to Australia slash New Zealand, they have a place where they continue to train and work under the guidance of the company. Right, right. Instead of going on these excursions and you send them and they live with Sumi Sakai and then it's just they're trying to pick up bookings and it's totally random and your 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 quote unquote partners like Ring of Honor don't bother to book them half the time and it's just a fucking mess. Now, you know, there's there's there can even be more structure from that perspective too, where you just you send, you know, Renderita to Los Angeles and, you know, then he works with Shibata for a year and he gets booked out of the LA office to, you, you know, on, on his, and, and, and they have a firmer grasp of uh, making sure that he's working for credible indie promotions and whatnot. It's just, it's such an advantage to really, and, and that's the same idea that WWE has too, you know, with the NXT UK and wanting to branch out, you know, and, 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 and eventually they're going to be in other places too. It's the same principle, you know, and, and, but, but new Japan, this is this is so good for them, and we're seeing kind of the fruits of that as you know all these guys come together for this tournament. 
Absolutely. It's something we've been screaming about for years as well. I think yeah. you and I on the show maybe three, four years ago said the best thing for, for any development company is to, to have three or four different locations. We said just across America, I think we were maybe talking about NXT at that time, but like, yeah, you had your 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 southern office, your 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 Midwest office, your Pacific Northwest, and like you know, learn under the same ideals and the same overall arcing thoughts, but like have different people in the rooms, have different guys sort of saying, okay, here's what I think, or, you know, guys that are trusted saying, well, here's what I would do in this situation. But obviously, you know, we, we had to, we have to adhere to some of these rules, but yeah, you know what? Hey, this is the way I think you approach. I mean, I think that's the best way to learn. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's definitely a great asset to have. And I think New Japan is super smart by doing this too, and having it in different regions of the world. Like you said, and I, I think another part that's going to help these guys as well when they do go on excursions is I think the the relationships that New Japan has developed in America are way stronger. Like I have, you know, if 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 say Carl Fredericks, Alex Coffin, or whoever goes to like Defy, for instance, they hosted one of the Super J Cups, right. you know, recently. Like I have way more faith in Defy to book Carl Fredericks or or Uemura than I do of Crossing Syndicate or whatever, you know, to, right. to book those same guys. So I think they've, deve- they've, they've in, in a lot of ways, built a really good network of guys, too. So I'm not as worried about excursions as I used to be. I'm now kind of ready for the excursions because I think they're going to be a lot smoother than they were for, for many, many years. And, and a lot of guys have, have, have broken through those, like Evil, you know, a case of, of a, just an awful excursion that he made the most of. And, and to a lesser extent, even like guys like Jay White and, and Sho and Yo are guys that probably could have lost a lot from their excursions and, and maybe should have lost a lot from them, but didn't. And and they're more the exception than the rule. I would really like now to have stable excursion partners. And, and, and like you said, an idea that you can just go live with those guys and, and travel from those offices to other places. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a great idea. So excited about that. But uh, yeah, Young Line Cup, good stuff coming up here. And then uh, there's one more destruction show, but we're not going to talk about it uh, this week because uh, we can talk about it next week. Uh, that's one's going on in 20 seconds. So we'll have some time to talk about it before uh, next week's show. So, all right, Joe, you ready for this? Good for the Clash of Champions. Not of the. Not of the champions. Clash of Champions. Joe, are you ready? Did it used to be Clash of the? or was uh, it- I don't know if WWE ever used the of the. But WCW did. WCW, yes. They were always Clash of the Champions. And uh, somewhere along the line, they become Clash of Champions. Haven't we had this conversation? Uh, I'm sure we have. Because <laughs> it's one of these things that only annoys like me and a few yeah. other weird nerds that, that care about this. But... Uh, it's just because my natural inclination is to say of the, because it's just like how it was developed. It was Clash of the Champions. But here we are, Clash of Champions. Anyway, let's do this, Joe. We have Cruiserweight Championship, Drew Gulak, Humberto Carrillo, and Lince Dorado. You did the tongue roller. At least I tried. tried. Yeah, I tried. That was good. You're, you're a regular listener of the Thursday TV reviews. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash voice wrestling. Wouldn't miss it for the world, Joe. Slight pause. <laughs> Big fan of the tongue roll on that show. But yeah, so Lindsay Dorado, did you know, Rich, that this is, well, you're a regular listener of Thursday TV reviews. Of course you know this, that this is his first shot at the Cruiserweight Championship, despite being the original. <laughs> day one. Classic. Fucking day one signee. Yeah, that's. How about uh, that? But they, at least they made it part of the storyline, right? Right, right. That's good. I can't. And we uh, don't know where he stands with the Lucha House Party Boys because uh, the evil Arya Davari has sort of gotten between them. And uh, he's had this weird... <laughs> Is that really the story? That's really the story, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, it's yeah, I'm bad. sure it is. I'm sure that I, the fans look, really love it, too. Yeah. It sounds... <laughs> it, it doesn't sound good. I'll grant you that. But when you, if you watch 205 Live, it wasn't a bad story. It's like, Arya Davari is like this loner, and he's a heel, and he's kind of a dick, and he's like gotten into Lince's ear. 
you know, and he tried to influence, but it hasn't been like, it's not, you're, see, you're picturing it. Main I'm, WWE, I'm making a WWE style and it's, yes. it's not. It's, 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 it's a, it's a little, it's better than that. Like last week, Davari's like, Hey man, I saw you. And, 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 and Lindsay's like, listen, man, no, I'm, I, I, I fell for it once. No more. I got to make up with my boys and I'm con- trying to concentrate on my championship opportunity. It, it's done difference. You have to trust me. It, it's, it, it sounds hokey, but it's not, but there's layers too, because he has like this weird beef with fellow baby face, Humberto Carrillo. Right. So it all plays into everything. So we don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Someone's going to turn. Is it going to be Lince Dorado? Is it going to be Humberto Carrillo? Or is it going to be like the Tatanka Lex Luger storyline where one of the other Lucha House Party guys are the ones that end up turning? And it was them all along. And it wasn't Lince that w- that had, you know, evil in his heart. Does anybody care but me? <laughs> Literally nobody else. Does anyone care? I can feel your boredom. No, I, I mean, it's it sounds fine, but it's just, yeah, it, 205 Live is, is tough. I, I, li- I like it when I watch it, but it's like, it's one of these things that when I force myself to watch 205 Live, I always enjoy it. But man, forcing yourself to click play on 205 Live is the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. You just look at it and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll mow the lawn or something. Like, there's always got to be something. See, that's NXT UK for me. That's the one I struggle with. 205 Live, I genuinely enjoy. The NXT UK is the one where I'm like, God. Do the Patriot? Do our subscribers really need me to review this? I have that struggle internally every week, but every week I just click play and soldier through. But so I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I get it. But that's the backstory to this three-way match. Uh, any chance we see a title change here? Or you think Gulak uh, retains? No, I think Gulak retains because I think uh, the Carrillo Dorado story will move to the four. Will be the focus of the match. You know what I mean? And Gulak's just there to pin whoever. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't, I don't see. A t- but here's the weird thing, Rich. You know when these Cruiserweight matches end up on the main roster shows that sometimes, like, the, the main roster agents take over and, they, they, it, like, the, the 205 Live stuff is kind of ignored. That has happened sometimes. So who knows? But if, they, if, it's, if this is just handled by the 205 Live people, I expect... Gulak to retain and the and Lince Dorado's story to be advanced. Uh, as of this recording, it is not officially on the pre-show, but uh, I mean, uh, let's be honest, <laughs> we know where this is going. So, uh, they haven't laid out the show yet, but uh, let's be honest, they're probably not going to find time uh, in this like 19 match card to, to, to find spot for the Cruiserweight title to be on the main show. So probably not. But anyway, we have the women's tag team title match up next. We have Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, Mandy called Nikki Cross fat and ugly on SmackDown. So, yeah, really, uh, really ready for this match to uh, see if Nikki Cross can avenge Mandy Rose for calling her fat and ugly. <laughs> Remember earlier in the show when I said sometimes I just hope Rich carries. <laughs> what am I going to say about this match? Are you kidding? Do you want to get into the should she be calling her fat and ugly? No, thing? I don't. No, we're going to already get in, get in trouble with the rep bro thing. Uh-huh. I don't. Who cares? Just move on. Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan. Yeah. Who done it, Joe? <laughs> we know who done it now because Eric Rowan. It left was the second Roman. Roman, right? Oh wait, no. We... He he left Roman and Daniel Bryan laying last week at the end of SmackDown, which for some reason is how Two Hundred Five Live opened. They, did you see that? A couple weeks ago, you might have been in Iceland. I don't know. 
They opened up 205 Live with the post-Smackdown stuff that normally isn't on air, that only the fans see. And I'm like, what the fuck? I thought it was a mistake. I'm like, did they... It may have been, but nobody cared and nobody caught it, so... So anyway... Did you have Aiden uh, English, like, doing commentary over it? No. They... Two, when you clicked play on uh-huh. 205 Live, right? It opened with Daniel Bryan laying down, holding his <laughs> belly, going, ow, my tummy, ow, right? Was that his ow, my tummy, an exact quote? Probably. I and hope. Roman Reigns like was like, you know, holding his arm on the other side of the ring going, ow, my arm, ow, you know? And Eric Rowan was walking backwards up the ramp, right? You, you, you can... Picture all of this in oh, your head. Oh, I know, yeah. I, I, I've not seen it, but I have seen it in my head. Yeah, I and closed was, my eyes and I got it. And it was the SmackDown announcers, not the 205 Live announcers. They were like, Weird. with their somber voice, like, you are looking live. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, the shocking turn of events at the end of SmackDown, Eric Rowan. Uh, if it wasn't clear to Roman before who perpetuated that awful attack, it is clear to him now. You know, talking in their somber voice, and Eric Rowan walks off, and then it just cuts to fucking Spud talking to Mike Kanellis <laughs> or whatever the fuck. And I'm like, why did we need to see the the, the fucking you know the the fucking post show SmackDown non? It, nothing happened. You know what? They they showed Roman Reigns stand up, and then like. Dun dun, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. Where the crowd's supposed to cheer because he stood up, but nobody cheered. <laughs> right, of course not. Nobody cared. Okay, no one ever cheers for the guy, but no one. It just you know. So they pl- they're playing Roman's music as he's holding his arm and walking off. Daniel Bryan's still laying on the ground, hold- holding his tummy. Okay, and then we just cut to fucking Drake Maverick, who's like arguing with Humberto Carrillo or whatever the fuck. Do we do we still get the two hundred five live opening? Because I fucking love that song. That song's awesome. Yeah, we got Drake, and then I'm not. I I don't remember if we got like the the purple ninja. Yeah, yeah, song. yeah, with the purple intro. But then they cut to the two hundred five live announcers who just acted like <laughs> they didn't see all of that, and they talked about Drake Maverick. Weird. It was so weird. That had to be an and, editing mistake, and just nobody fucking cared. But the way the announcers talked, it didn't feel like it because they were like, "You're looking live." They they did like the right, 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 right. Gimmick. You're looking live, except they were somber. You know, you're looking live at the uh, yeah. But was that supposed to be on YouTube, and they just like kept it on two hundred five live or something? Like that's all I know is when I turn on two hundred five. <laughs> the last thing you want to see is Eric Rowan. The last thing I want to see is Eric Rowan. <laughs> Roman Reigns. And the last thing I want to hear is. Dun dun, dun 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 I don't there's a reason I don't watch SmackDown because I don't care about any of that. And I turn on 205 Live to enjoy a little bit of cruiserweight action, and what do I get? I get Roman Reigns selling the arm. I don't care. I have no interest. It bothered me. And I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was on purpose. Anyway, that's why you have Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. Right. So you do you, think, go, the, do you think the Vintner is going to get the big win here? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Maybe he'll drop another fucking scaffold on him, and I and and Roman will just stand up and dust off his chest like he did last time after getting crushed by a scaffold. <laughs> I don't. Stuff. I don't know. Oh my god! There's like people putting this storyline over as like, oh, this is really good. Like, oh man, cliffhangers week to week. <laughs> and poor Roman having to go on Twitter and act like it's fucking. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, guys, I thought it was Daniel Bryan, but now that I look at the, it, like, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> you know, it's so bad. It's real good <laughs> shit. It's real good shit. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I wonder. I wonder at what point they decided to. Pick. I mean, there was there was a week where they've introduced a fake Eric Rowan. Yeah, and had to the show with it, and then never. This is WCW two thousand. I'm telling you, they introduced a fake Eric Rowan that didn't really look like <laughs> Eric Rowan. Like, Not really. No, he 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 kind of sort of looked like Eric Rowan if you were squinting or like at a glance. Maybe he looked like people thought it was Luke Harper. Like it couldn't have looked too much like Eric Rowan. I don't know. <laughs> but then that just never got referenced again. You have Roman Reigns being like, "Oh, it was definitely Daniel Ryan." Nope, I'm sorry, it was definitely Eric Rowan. Now it makes sense, even though there was Buddy Murphy for a week. Like, what the fuck is this story? Like, whatever. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. Gives a shit. It's just garbage. It's why I'm so offended yeah. when they ruined my 205 Live with this shit. Uh, we have the New Day versus the Revival SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Yes, we do. That's a fit. That's correct. <laughs> it's a match that is happening on Sunday, Joe, and I just thought I should mention it for you. Uh, another match that I know for fact is happening Sunday, Intercontinental Championship, Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz. You, again, are correct. That, that is, is a match. Happening on Sami Zayn will also be there because he is the manager of Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion. That's right. Defending against the Miz. Uh, United States Championship here. That's the Clash of Champions. So you got all the titles on the line here, Joe. AJ Styles defending his U.S. title against Cedric Alexander. So will AJ have another underwhelming match? <laughs> that people will be surprised by? Oh, I thought AJ was going to have a good match, but it turns out uh, it was just okay. <laughs> that people will think is great for some reason when it's like a three and a quarter star match. Or will, you know, because he he's one of those guys who really pushed for both Ali and Cedric Alexander to, you know, to get called up and get pushed and all that. Do you think, so? you know, he'll go out of his way to really have an incredible match? Or do you think, you know, the agents will get in the way and everything else? That's, that's my thing is like, I, I, I felt like I've predicted a lot of those like matches to be a lot better than they are. And like, this one should be good. Cause Cedric, I think is a guy who's obviously going to put full effort into it. And I think is a great wrestler. And AJ is a guy who I think, you know, obviously, and, and you mentioned it too, is a guy who supports Cedric and, and likes that, but it's just, it's hard to know what's going to happen exactly. It's probably just going to be, you know, dudes running in and shit happening and stuff. So it's hard to really get invested in it. But yeah, I mean, on its face, it should be pretty good. And I, I hope it is, but it probably will just be okay. So, all right. SmackDown Women's Championship. You have Bailey, the new heel. Bailey, she's wearing is she, jackets now. Is she a heel? Well, she's cheered. She beat down Charlotte Flair, Joe. But she gets cheered. Charlotte Flair's a baby face. Is she? She is because she takes whatever she wants and she's tall and blonde and beautiful. So she's a face. Yeah. And Bailey is hmm. still getting cheered. Wears a leather jacket. (laughs) Right. Like, they're so bad at this. People were happy that Bailey showed some fucking guts and spine. And they cheer. <laughs> so I know, like, she's about a soulless wiener this entire time, just getting right. beaten down by Charlotte, just destroyed by Charlotte. She finally rises up, finally avenges Charlotte, who's been bullying her for years. And she's the bad person in this scenario in Charlotte's the face because they fucking stink. Oh my God. Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's title against Sasha Banks. Also you know, a heel. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, Heyman. Is doing a really good job with Sasha Banks. She, yeah, that that has been fun so far. So you know he he, you know, <laughs> he understands though where the talent is. That that's one thing. You know he will identify the talent. Um, 
Did you watch the tag match between the horsewomen on Raw? Uh, I did, and and fun, some pretty fun stuff. And there's some fun spots. I, I like you, you know some callback stuff that they did. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I would have been way more invested in this match had like the last four years not occurred uh, with all these people. But there's still there's still some you know it's those four. I mean, there's still some significance ever seeing those guys in the ring you know, together sure. at the same time. So, so yeah, there's still like, I still get excited about it. It's something that they've still kind of protected to a certain level. So no, I was, I was, I was pumped for that. Did you watch Ray Ray and Grand Metallic? I did not. I did not get a chance to watch that. Mostly because I heard like half the people that I really don't trust say it was great. And then the other half of the people that I do trust say like, oh, why did everybody think that was so great? That was just okay. So uh, where did you stand on it? Did you watch the match? I didn't see either one of them. That's why I'm asking. You. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was weird. Like, the first wave of people were like, that was incredible. But there were a lot of people that would, you know, say that AJ Styles and Cedric's going to be incredible, even if it's like not incredible. And then the next wave was like people that I trust maybe a little bit more that were like, ah, it's fine, but nothing to go out of your way to see. So I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. I heard it was a nice little six minute match. Right. It's six minutes. I mean, how exciting, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, those two guys could have a really good six minute match, but um, yeah, I don't know. I read the same tweets you did. So, I will watch both of those matches, though. I just haven't gotten around to it. Because I think that this is, the, this is what I mean. Even though I'm not going to sit there and watch a three-hour Raw most weeks, okay? Especially if there's football, it's you know, baseball pennant races. I'm not watching a three-hour Raw, okay? But you give me two matches like that, I'll check in on them. You know what I mean? That's how I handle it now. Yeah, it, it's good that we're actually getting those sort of matches every so often now when there was a long time where we were not getting that. So that obviously is is a good thing that we're starting to get those a little bit more. But and then uh, I watch all the angles on the YouTube. That's what you do, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's easier. All the angles way. on the YouTube. Yeah. yeah you get two-minute snippets of everything that matters, and, and yeah, you're good. So I think, right. they, have a, they, I think they still have a – I don't know if they still do this, but they had a thing before, which is great. It was like raw in 60 seconds or whatever. It just gave you everything that mattered right. and cut out all the other three hours of bullshit, which was perfect because it's like, cool, I got everything that, that you guys thought was important, and I got it right there for me. So and if there was a match that I thought was good, I'd go back and watch the match, but you gave me all the angles and all the, all the promos and everything that mattered. So it was good. Uh, as far as this one, though, Becky Lynn, Sasha Banks. This is the first time where I'm going to say, Joe, and, and I'm very curious about this. Sasha should probably win this match, right? Yes. So the Becky is the Becky title reign over. You're, you're comfortable with that at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know where I stood with Becky, Kofi, and Seth. So I don't think Becky, there was a maybe a brief moment where she was as over as people thought she was, and that's not the case anymore. You know how I stand with those three. Oh, absolutely. I thought they blew the bookie th- the Becky thing, and I thought the bad match at WrestleMania didn't help her at all. And I think it's been all downhill from there. And I think I think the Becky thing has been more hype than reality. Not to say that she's not in a better place now than she was before. She oh, certainly. To, no, know. she's definitely transformed her career. Yes. But that run is not she was any not more what people think it people is. thought she was. That's right, all right, I'm saying. Right. You know, she, it, that was never the case, and it is not the case now. And Sasha has all of the momentum, and maybe she can catch on and become that. So, yes, she should win the match. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So, we'll see what happens there. <sighs> Joe, you're not going to believe this. The Raw Tag Team Champions are Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, but they are also fighting for the Universal title in the same night, Joe. God, da- they're going to have to coexist. That's not a misprint. <laughs> that is not. Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman are your Raw Tag Team Champions. But, Joe, they are facing each other later in the that night this is insane how are they going to coexist how could they possibly coexist joe how tell me 
I don't think so. They have to be on the same. They have to team together and then fight each other later. And listen, this is insane. When you have to face a team the caliber of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, it's going to be very hard to uh, survive a lack of coexisting, right? I mean, I just hope they, they, you know, I don't want Braun jumping down from the apron, you know, not taking the tag. I just, yeah, it's just, I, 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 I for one cannot see how they coexist, but they kind of have to, though, if they want to continue to be the Raw Tag Team Champions. So, um, yeah, what a, what a storyline, man. Unbelievable. Burn it down! <laughs> WWE Championship match, Kofi Kingston versus Randall Orton. <laughs> this was so great last I'm falling asleep time. talking about it. We had to go right back to it. Now, I don't know hey. if you saw. I, I saw a clip from SmackDown during my uh, watch on YouTube thing. Uh, Kofi got the upper hand on the Go Home Show. I don't know if you saw that. Well, I think Kofi is the holding pattern champion until they hit Fox. You can't go to Fox with Kofi. You can go to Fox with Kofi as champ. You can't remain on Fox with Kofi. You, they've got to do something better than Kofi for Fox, right? I mean, isn't isn't this just a holding pattern until Fox? And then, like, Brock comes and beats him or some shit. Probably. Well, is, is I mean, Randy Orton the guy that they maybe would feel? I mean, they would feel more confident, I they think. They would feel more confident in Randy. I don't think it's a upward move. Um, but the fact is with Kofi, can we just be honest? This is one of the worst title reigns in a long time in this comic. I mean, he won the title in an in a awesome match, which was an awesome moment. And everything since has been awful. Would you disagree with that? Um, I really game. wouldn't. Yeah, those Dolph things I did not like. The Orton match was awful. I mean, he's not even having average matches. Kofi Kingston, his title matches have been, in, in many cases, straight up bad matches. Yeah, there was the Owens one, which was just fine, if I remember correctly. That was at like Money in the Bank, I want to say, or something. It was one of the, it's either early spring or summer, and that was just like, okay. The, the Ziggler and Orton matches were bad. There were bad matches. And, and, and this is not a company, Rich, where you, where you get a lot of bad. You, would, you usually at least get competent matches, right? In these spots, world title matches and such. He's having bad matches, Rich. It hasn't been good. He doesn't come across like world champion. He's like super likable, right? And I think no one wants to say it. But it has not been a good title run. And you'd think after all these years and the great title win, it would like, but it hasn't propelled him. I think he's been a bad champion. The matches have stunk. Yeah, I think he's, I, I think you, it, it's an arguable that he's less popular than he was at the time he won that title up. as well. Yeah. Do you remember the run up with the chamber and how over he was? And oh, then you couldn't deny, you couldn't deny him. Like he had to win that title at WrestleMania. Like there yes. was just no other scenario. Then Kofi Kingston winning that title at WrestleMania. Like he had to win it because he was such a and, and the same almost the same thing happened with Becky, too, where they had those two figures yeah. that were like, fuck, these guys, you can't not book these guys to win the top titles. Like they here's to. the difference though. I think they booked Becky into oblivion and ruined it. Right. And I think we were dead on with Kofi. He was Ron Garvin. He should have won that title and then immediately lost it. Because he Kofi was the guy you wanted to see win it, but you don't want to see him hold it. Exactly. Right, right. And, and 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 time has proven us right on that one. This has not been a good title reign. It hasn't. And the matches haven't been good. That's the other thing. Like, you can't even say, all right, but he's out there having fucking bangers every month. He's not. The matches are bad. 
and I feel bad for the guy. You know what I mean? But it's like, this isn't working. And I feel like he's, he just, it screams holding pattern. Why do it before Fox, right? It's like the show's in limbo. But when you get to Fox, they're not building this the, the Fox brand around Kofi Kingston. No, Brock, Col- uh, dude, Brock is coming in day one and fucking F5 in that guy and pinning him and winning that title for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's Brock or whoever else, but someone's doing it. Uh, uh, someone who they can build that brand around and put on commercials and everything. It's not going to be Kofi Kingston. And to be completely honest, and I don't like saying it because he is very likable. He hasn't earned it either. He has had plenty of time to earn that spot. And he hasn't, he has not earned a spot. Right. I, I, w- I would agree. Yeah. He hasn't really grabbed, you know, the, the, the proverbial ba- brass ring or whatever. You, you know, yeah. he had a great match with, with, you know, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, but like, okay, you know, it's Daniel Bryan. It's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Like that, you know, still it takes two to tango. And obviously I'm going to give yeah. you credit for that, but part of that. Sure. That was a great match. Yeah. But the idea that like nothing in that follow up has been show, easily best. Match. Right. Right. But if he is great, if he is truly a great wrestler, a great man, like he will take those matches, the Orton stuff, the Ziggler stuff, the Owen stuff. I think he's had some st- matches with Zayn or whatever in, in the build up there and, and, and make those as good. You know, maybe not as good as the Dan Bryan one, but 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 still good. Like you said, it's not hard. The barrier of good in today's WWE is not hard. They give you fifteen to twenty to twenty-five minutes in a main event slot to have a good match. The days of you have to get in and out in ten minutes, and it's going to be you know this guy doing his big move. Like those days are over. It, it, they give you opportunities in main event spots to have good matches. And the idea that this is what he's produced in these slots with these twenty twenty-five minute matches is not good. It's not well, good at all because they've just they've look, not been good. They haven't been entertaining. And look, Dolph and Randy Orton aren't exactly, you know, Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. You know, I understand that. So there's that factor too. But does Kofi Kingston come across to you like a superstar world champion? No. Because he doesn't to me. And, you know, that's not on his opponents. Uh, You can complain about Randy Orton all you want. I'll tell you what. Randy Orton comes across at times like a superstar world champion. And at different points of his career, he has come across that way, regardless of his match quality and all the complaints. Kofi doesn't come across that way to me. You know, he still comes across like, you know, part of this goofy uh, mid-card act of the New Day. And and it just, he hasn't separated himself. No, that, no you're 100%. Not, not to interrupt you there, but that is to me the thing that really annoys me the most about him is, and I don't want, I hate the idea that like when 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 guys do stuff, they have to completely separate and they have to just be like, all right, well, I'm not in the new day yeah, anymore. Yeah. Now. But the idea that he's still, there's just still all the mannerism. He feels right now like a guy that got lucky in the new day and he happens to have the title and they're like, oh, sweet. One of us has the title. Right. But not like, he's the champion you know what i mean like it doesn't feel like he's any different than the rest of those guys which is good and bad like it's good because i like the idea that this unit kind of stays together whatnot but when it's a world champion you want that guy to feel definitively bigger but he feels almost on the same level as xavier woods and i'm not gonna i don't want that i want my champion to be a fucking champion and this just feels like a guy in a stable that happens to have the world title i'm still sitting here with feelings that Big E should be the world champ Oh, for sure. No, he'd, he'd make this. He'd make this work, I think. And, and, and it shouldn't be that way. By now, I should be feeling like Kofi Kingston has been elevated. The guy's been world champ for months. I don't feel like he's been elevated. I feel like he was elevated in the run-up, right? He's been champion half a year. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, he's been but, in yeah. April. I don't know. It just didn't work. And he's going to go out there and have another two-and-a-half-star match with Randy Orton. And I don't know. I, it, it just isn't working for me. Percent chance that Orton beats him here. It's pretty good. I, 25, 30. Okay. 
I think I'm maybe a little higher. I'm probably little higher. About, yeah. I'm about 45, I think. And then I think Kofi's still the, the, the favorite, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Orton. You think VK McMahon wants to uh, week one Fox have a studly looking Randy Orton home? <laughs> just, you know, on TV, right? I've watched a lot of Vince McMahon television over these so years. I, my friend. And it's, <laughs> I think he'd rather have uh, Randy Orton now. I think Randy Orton better represents what Vince thinks people want to see as a world champion. I don't think there's any debate, uh, more so than Kofi Kingston. So, yeah, he does have a chance here. All right, and then in our uh, presumed main event here, even though they're going to tag later in the sh- earlier in the show, Joe, and I don't know how they're going to do this, they're going to tag earlier in the show, have to coexist somehow, and then also have a Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins defending his title against Braun Strowman. So intriguing. God, I can't wait. The intrigue, Rich. <laughs> Braun is going to throw him through the barricade, and it's going to go down. And yeah. Listen, that's going to that's going to. And a curb stomp, and yeah, don't make don't <laughs> Seth now, right? I mean, it would really make no sense if they beat. No, Seth. I don't. I don't know why. But then, I got. I. I, I think. Well, I'm. I'm assuming they, they care about Strowman anymore, and and we found out. We said this years ago too that Strowman is just a conduit to like build him up to have him lose to Roman Reigns or have him lose to other guys. Like the idea that Braun is ever going to be your guy is is never going to happen at this point. So yeah. Um, well, there was that quote I saw. I don't remember where I saw it, where uh, Strowman said he was like down in the dumps. And then Vince told him, you know, you don't worry about it. You just do what we tell you to do and you're going to be just fine. We're going to get to you. We're going to get to you. Like, and, and Braun said that that uh, encouraged him. But that uh, could just be Vince, you know, propping up the troops, you know? I, I don't know. But uh, I, I have the same feeling as you. It doesn't feel like. Because Braun was super hot at that one point, and that was their chance. But you know how they are. Sometimes they don't care about that shit, and they're just going to tell whatever story. <laughs> right. They might have run win this title for who knows what fucking reason. But I, I would, if I'm them, I have Seth, you know, retain it for a few more months. But eh, who fucking knows, man? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The I just... Vince wakes up on that night, so who fucking knows? Yeah. Look, analyzing WWE <laughs> yeah. is perilous, to say the least. But... If, if, if I'm going to just humor myself and analyze this, there's no reason for Seth Rollins to lose this match. None. So, which means he'll probably lose. <laughs> I'll fucking know. You know, he'll lose or he might lose and I won't care and it won't matter. And, you know, nihilist WWE, uh, uh, you know, analysis continues. I don't, I don't know what else to say. All right, so that's our Clash of Champions preview. I also have a written preview up at uh, VoicesWrestling.com by the time most of you guys listen to this. So yeah, there you go. Passionate uh, one. All right, Joe, we have about 30 minutes to get ourselves in trouble. So let's talk about the RevPro. Josh Proda. going to get in trouble. I don't we think so either. That. Yeah, I don't know. This one might be good, but you never know, man. We, we find ways to get in trouble. There's always so. someone mad about something, you know. It's so, <laughs> you know All right, so let's, let's go over this story here. This is from last weekend. Uh, RevPro... Had it so I, I'm going to recap this as best as I can. So, so our, our friends at, at postwrestling.com, John Pollock, wrote I think the best sort of recap here that I think I'll kind of lead you through this, Joe, and and you got to see this because you were watching it in real time. I kind of had to to piece things together while I was gone here, but yeah. uh, kind of following the which is good because I don't really know a lot of the takes, which is <laughs> I think good and bad in this case. So I'm kind of curious what you thought as kind of different things were going on. So anyway, so there was a Revolution Pro match uh, last weekend. A post-match incident involving Shaw Samuels, Josh Bodum, and referee Aaron Wilde. So Wilde was the referee for a tag match where Aussie Open defeated Samuels and Bodum 
at Summer Sizzler, your call, August 30th. The finish was apparently messed up by Wilde, who was then attacked by Samuels and Bodum after the match, with most assuming it was just part of the match. Wilde went online this past weekend, stating it was an unplanned attack and that he had su suffered significant injuries that will prevent him from officiating football matches, which is his regular job, citing a shoulder and neck issue from the attack. Samuels took Wilde and scoop slammed him, which Wilde was said was not part of the show, and he said the rest was a blur. Footage has emerged from a fan in the crowd of Josh Bodum attacking Wild repeatedly on the floor at ringside. A few more uh, things here. Samuels addressed the situation on Sunday, stating a mistake occurred in the match and he was thinking on his feet and protected Wild while ex uh, executing the scoop slam. He acknowledged that you should never assume it's okay to get physical with a non-wrestling member of the roster and apologize for his actions. Uh, he added that he had reached out to Wild and wished him the best uh, and, and wished he had contacted him privately about the matter, I should say there. Um Revolution Pro issued their own statement and that they were not contacted by Wild throughout the weekend. They believe Samuels made a horrible error of judgment, but believe he tried to protect Wild with the slam. Samuels will be subject to internal discipline and there will be a zero, zero tolerance policy if it occurs again. Repro said that Bodum's recollection of what happened didn't match what they saw in video and they have cut ties with the wrestler. Therefore, Bodum and Samuels have been stripped of the British tag team titles the promotion is also instituting an internal incident report policy for any future infractions to be reported so again it's from postwrestling.com all right joe so now you kind of saw this happen in real time what was your take as this was kind of going on as footage was emerging as tweets were coming out what is your sort of thoughts on on this entire story and and where do you kind of stand on this uh this controversy incident whatever you want to call it i don't think any of the principles come out of this looking good, and I think Shaw Samuels looks the least bad, if that makes any sense. I think he looks the most credible, and I have less of a problem with Shaw Samuels than I do with any of the other people involved. And I guess when we dig in, I can give the details as to why I feel that way. But I remember in real time, we have staff members who were at the show who were talking about it in our office Slack as it was going on and they blew the finish. The ref blew the finish. The right team won though. Okay. That's important, but the match was shorter than it should have been. And they blew the finish and Samuels was just thinking on his feet and trying to come up with a cover situation for what had just occurred. He was doing what all pro wrestlers do. He called a body slam spot with the ref and um, delivered what looked like a safe body slam. And then when the ref rolled to the outside, Bodum attacked him. We all know Bodum's a hothead. We all know nobody likes Bodum. Bodum's a jerk. And he attacked the ref. Um, I think... Now, Bodum's 100% wrong. This is not a defense of Josh Bodum. Right, and he's also an idiot, too. And this is he's not the first idiot. time he's been an idiot, too. So. He's been an idiot. We've talked about, we talked about it two weeks ago when we previewed the show. He's an idiot. He blows all of his shots. Rev Pro was the last place that books him. So I am not defending Josh Bodum, but the attack was overblown. He was delivering pro wrestling style forearms to this referee's back. They were stiff, and he wanted the guy to feel him. There's no question about it. But the idea that he attacked him like he was mugging him in the street, let's pump the brakes. It's a shitty okay. mugging. He's a terrible fighter then, if that's the case. like I, no, I, I am a man who has never been in a fight, but... I assume that clubbing somebody in the back is not the best way to uh, clubbing win a fight. someone in the back with stiff pro wrestling forearms is not something that would ever happen in a street fight. Bodum is wrong. Let me make this clear again, okay? But we don't have to exaggerate things to 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 show that he's wrong. 
he's an asshole and a jerk and he deserved to be fired. And that is all true. But I mean, this was not the vicious fucking, you know, street attack that people made it out to be. But that's neither here nor there. The fact is he's wrong no matter what. Shaw Samuels, look, I don't really have a problem with what he did. People might be mad at that. I don't know. It was a bad situation. He's a veteran. He called a spot to make it look like, okay, he was, it, everyone was confused. I, again, I, I go back to our staff members who were there, and they were talking about it in real time, and they were saying even Aussie Open was confused, but then they remembered that they were supposed to be celebrating, and then they collected their thoughts and acted happy after at first they were acting angry. And then Samuels, I guess his train of thought, you have to remember this is all happening fast. They didn't have two weeks to reflect on it like, like all of the fans do. Okay, It's all happening in real time for them. He thought the best course of action was to say, okay, well, I'm going to call a body slam spot and I'm going to make it look like the referee screwed us and then I'm getting my comeuppance on the ref. I totally understand where he's coming from with calling that spot. So he calls the body slam spot and it was 100% a worked body slam. The idea that Shaw Samuels attacked this man is false. He didn't attack this man. He delivered a, a worked body slam. Okay. If you want to talk about whether I did that, look, he apologized and said that he shouldn't. And I thought his apology came off sincere. I thought he came off very well in his statement and his apology. He acknowledged that maybe 10 years ago that would have been acceptable, but it's a different world. And okay, maybe we have to adjust our thinking. I don't know if I necessarily agree entirely, but I but that's how he feels. And I thought he came off very well with that apology. I don't have really any problem with Shaw Samuels in this scenario. Um, and, you know, Bodum, fire him into the sun, as far as I'm concerned. He had no right to fucking pound on that guy's back. Right. The heat, the if, you wanted, if you wanted on, on a pro wrestling scale to say, well, we needed to get our heat back, or we didn't know, then the Shaw Samuels body slam is enough. The referee rolls out of the ring, and you're done. That's, that's all yeah. you need there. Is, is, and is, if Bodum was out there throwing, like, really weak work to kicks or something, then that would have been fine, I guess, too. But he was laying in those forearms. Okay, and 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 he, you could, Bodum was, I don't know if he was trying to hurt the guy, but he was definitely making sure that the guy felt it. Right, that he was making was, sure he felt it, letting out aggression while yes. also under the guise of, oh, we're, we're, I'm retaining my heat. Under I'm the my guise heat that I'm working. Yeah. But he, he wanted that guy to feel those blows, and that's wrong. He attacked him. Shaw Samuels didn't attack the guy, but Bodum did. And as far as I'm concerned, I have no problem with them firing Josh Bodum. And and he had a and on top of it, he had a reputation coming in, and to me that matters. History matters. It's part of the context. He's been a jerk before. He was a jerk again. Everybody hates him. You know what? Enough's enough. Fuck him. He's got to go. I have no problem with that. I don't really have much of a problem with Shot Samuels. I have a bit of a problem with the ref. I, I'm sorry, but he comes off shady to me. Okay. First of all, he waits a week and a half or whatever it is to say anything. And he doesn't say anything to the principals involved. He goes right to Twitter. You know, Shaw Samuel said, I wish he would have came to me. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, that obviously caused a little bit of... of, of or, at least then, came, or at least came to me first. Right. He didn't go to... No, he goes to the public first. That's shady. That's red flag number one. Okay? Red flag number two. The RevPro ring announcer puts out a tweet. Okay? With, you know, a, 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 with a long message on it saying, and I'm paraphrasing, that the ref hung out with all those guys the next day at Royal Quest. He 
was laughing about it to Shaw Samuels, saying, ah, it was no big deal, you know, I understand, I can't, I'm sorry I fucked up, I understand, you called a spot, you know, and, and hung out with those guys and went to Royal Quest with those guys and had no indication, didn't tell anybody that anything was wrong, and then a week later on Twitter, he's, he's complaining about it without telling any of the principals privately that there was a problem with it. And then attaching his PayPal information with those tweets, claiming that he's injured and he can't work. I'm not saying the guy's not injured. I'm not his fucking doctor. Maybe he is injured. Maybe he's not injured. I don't know. To me, he comes off very shady. I'm sorry. He just does. Yeah. Smells. The timeline is a little weird. Like, so, so here's the thing. I heard a lot of people say, well, like you can, something can happen to you and you, you wouldn't say it immediately. Like I totally buy that in the building. If he goes backstage afterwards, I would be in the same situation. Do I really want to speak up and say, Hey guys that just attacked me, you just attacked me. Like I I get it. There's tense situations there. Things are going on. Like after the show, I'm going to be all like, yeah, okay, no, I'm fine. It's cool or whatever. And like, I, if, if I'm in this situation, I'm not saying that I'm this guy, I've never been put in this situation. So I can't say from, from firsthand experience, but I totally get the idea that you would go backstage and seem like you were okay. You don't want to come across like that. You're really, you're, you're hurt. You're not feeling as, as, as good. I get all that. I understand that. I understand how oh, it's a tense situation. It's a backstage, it's a locker room or whatever. You might not feel comfortable saying, Hey, by the way, you guys attacked me and you know, that's bullshit. And, 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 and sort of, I get that. I get how you would just be, be cool with that but by the next morning the next day if you're starting to and, and some injuries you know they pop up the next day adrenaline's running you don't really realize oh fuck my shoulders screwed or fuck my yeah. back really hurts like that happens all the time to me i wake up the next morning after doing something and go oh shit that's because of that and i didn't feel it at the time because you know i was you know i was adrenaline i was playing basketball i didn't notice it but man that really hurts right now but the idea that like a day later two days later three days later like nothing gets said in the idea that again and i don't know if the ring announcer is 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 being correct i have no reason to believe that he's lying either the idea that he says that like a few days later it was all happy go lucky giggles and all like there's no reason at that point to still have that situation like if if you're in the professional wrestling business i think the day after two days after if you say hey look like i know you guys were just working but just let you know like that you know you really i i think you took advantage of me or what like having that conversation with those guys i don't think would lead and again, I've never been in the firsthand experience. I understand that. I don't think that would lead to much negativity or much. All, like, I feel like that would be a good time to sort of bring that up. If you're meeting these guys independently outside of the ring with a day's notice, everyone's kind of slept on it and just say, hey, look, like, you know, my shoulders really hurt. My back's really hurt. And I really wish like that would have went differently than what you guys did there. I understand. I, I get that. I understand that you would want to do that. But the idea that like nothing happened, it was radio silence until he goes to Twitter. Like you said, it, 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 it smells. It's just a little weird. It's it smells. Look, I I think it's a, I think the guy's a little shady. He comes off a little shady to me. That's all I'm saying. Okay, it's it's he hung out with that whole crew, not, with the exception of Bodum. Okay, he hung out with those guys the next day, and was jo- at least according to the ring announcer, who again came off very credible in his statement. I thought the ring announcer and 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 Samuels came off very credible. Now, as far as uh, Quinlan goes, I don't know what to make of him. OK, um, you know, claiming he didn't have a good camera shot of the incident. <laughs> I, you know, that's shady, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I don't like Bodum throwing him under the bus after he gets fired. I thought that was a dick move, posting the, the text messages and everything. You know, he, Bodum gets fired and immediately posts a tech me- text message from from uh, from Andy saying, hey, man, this guy's causing a shitstorm on Twitter, but I have your back. Right. Basically trying to say, don't think Andy's some good guy for firing me. Okay, but here's the thing: 
We don't know when Quinlan sent that text. It could have been at the very beginning of all this when he didn't know, every, you know, all of the particulars yet before he made his decision and all that. So that's a very dirty move by Bodum to throw the only guy in the universe who has his back under the bus. Again, Bodum is not a good dude. There is nothing to like about Bodum other than his wrestling. If you even like it, a lot of people don't even like his wrestling. I happen to think he's a very good pro wrestler. Some people don't. But as a person, there's nothing to like about this person, this guy. So fuck him. I mean, he is the last person to be defended. In all. You can't defend him from any angle on this. His actions. No, he definitely looks the worst and is the worst and is the, yeah. the most culpable of everybody. So yeah, he's just a, a dork and no one's going to no one's gonna defend him on any level no. whatsoever. Hey, and the know. fact that he, if those were his works, or those were his shoot punches, then he's a fucking terrible fighter. So I'll say yeah. so. Now, the promoter, do I think he was covering his tracks a little and saving his own ass? Absolutely. Do I think if Bodum... I think a lot of that was he was trying to get out ahead of it while also saying, fuck, I don't actually have all the information quite yet. Point so is, I'll... he didn't handle it well. Exactly. Right, right. He, he, instead of just waiting to yes. get, all, get all the information before you say anything, he went to say something and then also kind of then have to try to like backtrack or find a way around it or that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was... Poorly, it was, handled. Yeah. Poorly handled. And let me tell you something else. I don't have any doubt in my mind if Bodum, if that big dummy would have kept his stupid mouth shut and had not thrown the promoter under the bus, he'd probably be back in six months. But now he'll never be back. The promoter can't bring him back now and probably doesn't want to bring him back now So he threw the guy under the bus. If he had laid low and just took the firing or whatever, okay, this is pro wrestling. He probably would have been brought back. But because he's Josh Bodum and he has no self-control and he self-destructs constantly, you know, he buried the guy and now he'll probably never wrestle again. But the promoter did not handle it well. And I don't entirely believe everything he's saying. Bodum needs to be fired into the sun. I have almost no problem with Josh Samuels. I think he acted in the moment. And listen, here's the thing. If you're a referee and you can't take a worked body slam, you shouldn't be a referee. It, sometimes it gets physical in there. And I understand that these, it wasn't a spot that was called in the back before the match. I get it. But sometimes things are called in the ring. And I really feel like if I'm an independent pro wrestler now watching this play out, I am not working with any referee that I am not on that I do not know and I'm on friendly terms with because uh, we just saw this in Defy with L.A. Park and the referee. Right. The second such. From now on, I'm not working with any ref that I'm not intimately familiar with. And if I'm going to a new promotion, I want to know what referee I'm working with and I want to have a conversation with him and know that if shit's got to go down in the moment, that they are a professional who can handle an on-the-fly spot. Because, I don't know, I, 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 I you know, it, it, <laughs> people talking about consent and all this, they're taking it way too far. It's pro wrestling, and if you're in that ring and you're a pro wrestling performer, okay, you got to be able to work on the fly, and, and things don't always go as planned. And anyone you ask will tell you, looking at that body slam, that it was a very safe, very protected slam. Can something still go wrong? Of course, it's pro wrestling. People get hurt all the time. Um, you know, this guy claims he has to retire as a professional wrestling referee. Okay, fine. He claims he couldn't go back to his day job. Okay, fine. We still don't know what his injuries was. He just alluded to back and shoulder injuries. and I don't know. I just, there's something shady about the ref. That's just how I feel. I don't know. Um, maybe he is hurt. I'm not saying he's not hurt. 
but you know the combination of out there panhandling and uh, you know now he says he got a new full time job, good for him, and he's going to ride off into the sunset. That just you know happened today, as of we're recording this or whatever. But uh, man, I I don't I don't look at Shaw Samuels in this situation as having doing really you know now he'll never do that again. You know I you know I'm I'm convinced of that unless it's a referee that he he really really trusts. Sure. And I really think these wrestlers got to be careful with these refs now. I mean, I guess we're just in a different world. I mean, it used to be, you know, you call a spot and do a ref bump or whatever. And, you know, that, you know, but it's, I don't know. Things are changing in a lot of ways in the world we're living in. And I guess that's another one. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the ref also, we should mention, claimed that he wasn't paid. Uh, we were later told that RevPro pays their refs all once a month at the end of the month for all the shows they worked, but that they did take care of him when he complained about it, and then he deleted the tweet. So they took care of him from that perspective. Um, but he again, he's out there chirping about not being paid when he knows full well that they pay at the end of the month. Again, it comes off shady. Like he, it, it comes off to me like he was out there trying to draw sympathy as much as he could. And, you know, conveniently, there's a little PayPal link there. I mean, t- I don't know. That got me. Yeah. And, and again, like, I, I, and I don't want to, like, say that I think that he's lying about his injuries or whatnot, because I don't. Like, and I, I believe, too, that, like, you could take a, a body slam and, and know how to take a body slam and still get hurt in the ring. I, I that, that happens all the time to wrestlers. Like, there's a very real scenario that if he wasn't fully aware of it, that he took a worked body slam and landed the wrong way and hurt his shoulder. Like, that, that is totally plausible. I totally buy that. And, and again, like, if he was out there saying, hey, look, you know, I got these injuries and yada, yada, but it. The, the PayPal links do kind of bother me a little bit. I, I just, yeah, I, I it's, you know what? Maybe it's just a thing where it's not my style. I could never go out there and I, I don't know, but it, it, it just, it rubs me the wrong way and it, and, and rightly or wrongly, it comes off shady to me, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people who don't, you know, that's just, it's, it's kind of become the norm too, though. I mean, online, yeah, well, this tweet blew up. Here's my PayPal link. So, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it, again, the guy may have legitimately been injured. I, I'm not saying that, but it, and I hate to use words like panhandling or grifting, but I mean, it's kind of what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. And that stuff always is just, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to delve too far into that. No, one. absolutely. It just makes but, me, his end, it makes me a little uncomfortable. And that's not saying that I totally discount everything that he's saying. Like, he's obviously you know, well on his rights to, to, to speak his mind about it and, and tell people he was injured. But like you said, there's just some stuff that doesn't all add up or feel quite right to us. But no, I mean, obviously what happened to him should not have happened to him. And the Bodum stuff is completely, you know, completely out of line. No, no one's going to, yeah, no one will argue for anybody that's arguing in favor of Josh Bodum's an idiot. Like he's, he's, that should not have happened whatsoever on any level. Uh, but yeah, the Shaw Samuel stuff is, 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 it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I, I tend to think he far comes less, across far less egregious to me. Yeah, I think he comes across, like you said, the best. And I think RevPro comes across not as bad as Bodum, but only slightly above Bodum in terms of the way that they've sort of handled this handled, from beginning to end. Yeah. So, I mean, handled very poorly. All right. So that's that. So I might get in trouble from that. But hey, no, <laughs> you know what? People are going to get mad. I don't know. Yeah. That, we had, promotion, I don't, I'm not, I don't want referees working for me that can't take a body slam spot. So if that makes me some kind of fucking evil monster then fine but that's just the way especially now i mean if i'm running an indie now i'm reevaluating all of my referees you know i'm like look i mean that's a that's day one stuff yeah for sure 
And that guy is a train. He said he's yeah, he trained for two years. Again, like I said, so you can take a good worked slam and still get hurt. Like that's totally plausible. Yeah, absolutely. So. Things go wrong. I get it. I get it. But I don't know. The whole situation's a fucking dumpster fire. And um, you know, I, I, Bodum being gone though, I mean that probably long overdue. I mean that they gave him so many chances. Like you said, that was the last place in the universe that was gonna still give him chances, and he fucking torched that bridge. So who the hell knows what his next uh next level level or stop is but uh, anyway that is it for us here on the voice of wrestling flagship we do want to let you know again that this episode was sponsored by our friends at mybookie.ag mybookie.ag use promo code voices to activate their offer where they will double your first deposit so make sure you get in there this week for the nfl of course on voiceswrestling.com slash patreon you have joe's nfl intelligentsia so you can listen to that get joe's picks and then do bets based off joe's picks which will earn you lots and lots of money not guaranteed, but hey, you know what? <laughs> Quote guaranteed, right? Are you, is that like, do you have locks of the weeks on there? Have you made gimmicks yet for like, you know, old school, like Jimmy the Greek style? Like, well, I got, I, mean, I got, you know, I got some, I got some yes. picks, but then I got this pick. <laughs> like, what? NFL intelligentsia? Yeah, yeah. Do you have like that sort of? Yes, I do picks, and then I give you, yeah, the lock of the week. So it's the lock of the, you know, you didn't come up with your own gimmick. You're not talking about like the, you know, you got the lock of the week, isn't that? I eh, can't. I had one last year. I don't remember what it was. Though, so. <laughs> so I forget what it was. I remember you had something like that. So, so anyway, you can use Joe's lock of the week, and 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 you know, on my bookie, you double your first deposit. Promo code Voices, mybookie.eag. You're gonna make some good money. So there you go. There, voicewrestling.com/slash/patreon as well. Joe Vember to remember uh, my special project, hopefully coming in the next day or so. Uh, voicewrestling.com for all the previews of the shows we talked about uh, this. Uh, episode as well as reviews of all those shows going to be up at voicesofwrestling.com as well uh, and then our forums voicewrestling.com slash forums we do want to mention that uh, of course and we've also in the past week or so done a pretty big transition with our uh, podcast subscriber and their podcast platform and whatnot so if you are maybe you're not getting the podcast the same way you did things are a little bit weird let us know uh for most people seem like the transition went pretty smoothly uh, but if for whatever reason there's something weird or you're not getting, hey, I used to subscribe to the Jcast and now I'm not getting the Jcast anymore. Or I used to subscribe to you guys alone and and now I'm only getting this feed and that feed or whatever. Uh, like, let us know uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, the transition again, like I said, I think went pretty well, but there might be some some wrinkles along the way. So let us know if you're maybe having some issues or you know anybody who is having issues so we can try to uh, solve those issues for them. So uh, anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.